Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today we have Mike. Hello. We have Curtis. Sweet Christmas. Featuring Ross. Red rum. And keeping us all together, we have Steve. I don't have anything fun to say. And we also have Rob. Hi. God. That's Rob. Um, all right, so today we're going to try to do uh, Flash number 28, The Wake number 6, should be fantastic, Hawkeye 15, Vandroid number 1, Vandroid? straight from the 80s, and then uh, Thunder, Thunder, Thunderbolts number 22. dos for those Spanish speakers. <laughs> See, pre press dos for habla espanol. Is that Wait, how that works? No. Marque dos. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, that's what they say to me on the phone when I call places. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see if there's any news in comic books today. Ross, go. Um, put up the picture of uh, New Flash in the TV show. It was pretty cool. We got some Rocket Raccoon coming up, apparently. Scotty Young. Yep. Saying it's gonna be like Tiny Toons ish humor. Tiny Titan style? Tiny Toons. Tiny Toons. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. He referenced when Daffy gets his beak blown off. So he's gonna have that huh. kind of humor. Alright. There's yeah. a couple pages up online now and they, 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 it does look pretty funny. But I couldn't understand what the hell is going on. Well, who can? Nah. Scotty Young drawing it. Man, that's not. What, man? He does look super cute, though. Have you seen Scotty Young? Pictures? No, I haven't oh, seen Rocket him. Raccoon, <laughs> I mean, that's your own thing. That's fine. <laughs> He's a handsome man. <laughs> I assume. I don't actually know what he looks like. He kind of looks like uh, the Egghead Professor from the old uh, Ant-Man comic books. Oh, my God. That's... Yeah. Except for he has, my hair. he has hair. But he kind of looks like that guy. Egghead. That's, uh... Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, just, Scotty Young. It takes care of that. And what else? Not, uh, and what else we saw? Huh. Godzilla. Yeah. New Godzilla, Godzilla trailer. trailer. Yeah, it's not super comic related, but the lost season of Clone Wars coming to Netflix, too. Oh, yeah. Mm. Crazy. Is that special to Netflix only, or is it going to get released? It is. Yeah, it was the one that was supposed to be on TV, but when Disney bought Lucasfilm, it was pulled. So so now it can be the lost Star Trek. Or, I'm sorry, Star Wars, Clone Wars like the way you final think. series. Yeah. Yep. That's a good idea. Because Lucas doesn't like to share his toys? No, because the mouse doesn't share his toys. <laughs> yeah. bad, yes. Bad mouse. They're going to buy Netflix. You watch. Oh, man. That They're going to buy crazy? Netflix. Wow. I wonder how many things will get pulled off if they do that. I don't think they'll pull anything, man. They know how to make money. That's, That's true. the truth. Yeah. yeah. They don't care. It's just fun to think, like, just a few years ago, you know, they were having such a hard time paying anybody, nobody wanted to be in their films. And now they... Except for The Rock. Well, there you go. Maybe the rocks fixed them. That's what happened. They are what he just does. exactly <laughs> like Mickey Mouse is portrayed in South Park. I guarantee it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's entirely true. It is. You <laughs> evil little bastard. <laughs> not that they, not that they didn't have it coming. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> in the uh, independent world there, Mike, that you know about this new? Oh, 
Go. That Blood Queen comic coming out from Dynamite. Oh, Blood yeah. Queen, yeah. I think that's going to be pretty good. Okay. But then I had some reservations because I, I saw that the reader or the writer has written for Grim Fairy Tales. So uh, that kind of, re- I'm like, man. Yeah, it's just because you hate Grim Fairy Tales, though. Well, hate's a strong word Ooh. for a strong emotion, and that's what I feel. <laughs> so you'd be right. <laughs> 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 You're correct, sir. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be cool. It'll be about Elizabeth Bathory, so and more fantasy. So we're going to have wizards, and so hopefully it doesn't go bad. I was really hoping you were going to say more wizards and wizardry. More wizards and wizardry. There, there you go. Wizardry. Wizardry. <laughs> no, my great grandpa used to say battery is battery. Just throwing it out there. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Steve, you're reporting out that what was that uh, that team? Isn't that Dynamite putting out uh, all the horror characters uh, like Chaos? Evil oh, Ernie, Chaos. Chaos? Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah Chaos. Yeah, and Chaos Comics is making its re- return to comic books uh, through Dynamite from Tim Seeley. From Tim Seeley writing, so that should be pretty interesting. And he's the one that does Hack Slash for those who don't know. Or Revival. Yeah. So. Well, I got that uh, crossover with. Uh, Chew. Uh, Chew coming up too. Oh right, that should be pretty cool. So the one shot mix up, that should be cool. And then I think, um, oh, what's his shit? What's his name? Uh, Walking Dead guy. Putting uh, out a new book. Robert soon. Kirkman. Yeah, yeah, Outcast. Outcast. Yeah. Huh. That's already option for a movie or something. Of course it is. So. Yeah. Well, they already got the actors. Andre three thousand, big boy. Outcast. Oh my God. No. Sorry, Miss <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> No. That's the same, is that the same actors that cast oh. the Fantastic Four movie? No. <laughs> My God. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. What you, well, I, I want to hear what everybody thinks of that. Forever, ever, ever. Okay, I did hear, I did read something earlier today. The director, or the producer, sorry, the producer for the new Fantastic Four said it wasn't going to be anything like the old Fantastic Four. And it's not connected to the other movies at all, which I'm pretty sure we all well, knew. Well, they want to get as far away from that as possible. Which, uh, you know, understandable, whatever. But I think we all knew that it was going to be totally separate just in general when you said it was reboot. But then in his description, it's like, there's no stretchy guy, uh, no porcelain-looking thing. And then the article just questions his idea of what Mr. Fantastic actually does then. Because if he doesn't stretch, I mean, that's his only science. power. I'll show you science, Ross. Where's your lab coat? In the car. Oh, hey. Well, at least you have it with you. We brought it with you today. Well, there was a rumor that uh, they were going to make Dr. Doom a, a lady. Yeah, I, I heard that too. It's something, whatever. Can she be a Spanish lady? Yeah, whatever works, man. I'm saying. No. <laughs> something different. They Maybe that's what will be that's gonna, it's, it, it's gonna be a <laughs> pile of. Yeah, well, I don't, you know. Just, hey, maybe it, enough people talk trash, it'll be like the Teenage Ninja Turtle movie, and all of a sudden they won't, they won't be for our space anymore. Mm, maybe. maybe. Too, I think it might be too far gone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say how far along they are with it, but. Yeah, and it's scary when you're talking about, like, yeah, we're going to do something fresh. We're going to break something out new. Mr. Fantastic won't stretch. The thing ain't going to be rocky. The invisible girl, she ain't going to be invisible anymore. You look at, a girl. You look at that dude, you don't think the thing. You don't think Ben Grimm. You know, he's, you know how he is. He's, that's not him. Yeah. I mean, I may be yeah. wrong, but... I, yeah. I, I have no idea what they're doing if... They're, you know, they'll be like the Fantastic Four, but only by name. Which may- would be fine. Maybe, maybe they're gunslingers in the Old awesome. West. <laughs> I, maybe not Old West, but yeah, modern gunslingers, I'd be alright with that. Shooting lasers and stuff. 
Did they say specifically who the people are cast as? Uh, Michael B. Jordan is the Human, Human Torch. Torch. Okay. He's the one that's black. Not sure. Because I was thinking they could ch- could have chosen a different variation of the Fantastic Four too. But you mean like from one of the old, like the Ultimate Universe version? Just yeah, something different. But if they've already said who they are, then maybe the Zombie oh. Universe version, or yeah. it could have been like She Hulk, and oh, wouldn't that have been sweet? You know, they they went with some of the other members that have been Fantastic yeah. Four members, man, like it, Ghost Rider and Iron Man, and well, Ghost Rider is a different property, so is Iron Black Man. Panther oh, and. Uh... <laughs> Dang it! Well, Wolverine. Why are you shooting yeah, all these things? Different property. Why are you too. shooting holes in all my ideas, but, Steve? Oh, it Fox. No, he could technically. They could do Wolverine. <laughs> they couldn't do Spider-Man though. So the the, the other Fantastic Four, when it was Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, the Gray Hulk, and then Wolverine, you couldn't do. You might be able to do, get away with a Gray Hulk, make a mixture fix, mixture fix it. Then, Pretend uh, like he's not really the Hulk. Yeah, and you you basically just better off making a totally different movie. <laughs> Well, right now it sounds like they're making a totally different movie. Bingo. Yeah. Maybe they could just they could dig out the old Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom suit from the '90s movie because that suit was awesome. Yeah, the suit did look badass. It was like the best part of that movie. The only way you can see that movie now is on like bootleg, bootleg Generation Five VHS. I'm sure somebody's put it on a DVD by now. Get on eBay, one of you. Oh, that, that Roger Corman thing? I don't remember who made it. I think so. It's possible. I didn't yeah. even know there was I've never a seen it. But... Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, heard, oh, yeah. I've heard of it. You've seen it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. The thing doesn't look terrible, either. No, Mr. Fantastic's arms are pretty... They're Yeah, they're pretty bad. Pretty bad. The Doom suit is awesome, though. <laughs> there is also a 90s Justice League with the Justice League International. I didn't know about that. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think Superman, Batman... Or you know, Batman, Superman Two, I guess, is is heading down that road, which is scary. But we'll see, I only got one episode. <laughs> yeah, there's only gonna be one movie. That so. was yeah, that was a spinoff of the Flash. Booyah! Yeah, it was it was bad news. Weird if you haven't seen it, Justice League International. That wasn't really the Justice League International. Yeah, exactly. You can find pieces of that on YouTube. Awesome. Yeah. Awesomely bad. <laughs> uh... Okay, anyway, let's move on to books or something, because you're <laughs> driving yourself into a hole. Put your rally cap back on. Well, I was going to say, I read something from James Gunn that said uh, they weren't going to have any of the Kree or the Scrolls in Guardians of the Galaxy, because Fox owns those. Oh, oh for for the Fantastic right. Four. They can have the Badoon, though. That stinks. But, no, they don't have the Badoon, either. Well, they no. have the Chitari. Well, oh, I know, yeah. but that was made for the Avengers. Yeah. So they're going to have another alien race. And uh, sorry, Steve. No supreme intelligence for you. And I think, oh, thank I think, God. I think Fox owns the Shi'ar too, so we won't see any of those races that we all know. That's uh, all going to be in Fox. So, so we're just we're going to have to build a whole new space. <clears throat> yeah, just, messed that up. I don't know. That was the '90s Marvel that messed that up, I believe. Yeah, well, Toy Biz. Yeah, definitely. So, definitely. Anyway, that's my. Although news. the supreme intelligence would look fantastic on film. Are like, you kidding? No. Can you? It would be the craziest, scary looking thing that you'd seen. In a Only while. if Gilbert Gottfried did the voice. I don't think. I don't think I could do Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Iago. Oh my God, man! No, I, I, I imagine like a booming voice for the Supreme Intellect. Like a, 
the yeah. wizard from the Wizard of Oz. Exactly, because that's kind of what I think of yeah. when I see the Supreme Mental Act. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> well, you know, it would be even better if it was a St. Louis accent, though. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> I'm a Supreme Mental Act, and I'm going to lead these people. No offense to those from St. Louis. <laughs> no, it's a great answer. <laughs> Man, if you're from St. Louis, you you gotta know you gotta go to his cells because you can sell anything. <laughs> what killed Vaudeville? Yeah, the radio the picture show killed Vaudeville. <laughs> Nobody wants to see me sing and dance on stage when they can watch me on TV. <laughs> Stupid. Let's go. You are right about that, sir. Uh, all right, Flash Number Twenty Eight. Right. For those you playing at home, <laughs> check your scorecards. There'll be a quiz at the end. And if you're still listening, I'm sorry. Oh, that hurts everybody's feelings. Not mine, because I said it. <laughs> Jerk. Uh, hmm? I'm so sure this... they both still are. <laughs> nice. No offense. None taken. Right. <laughs> I don't know about the other half. <laughs> He's been out of the water a little too long. It's amazing he hasn't lost his memory. Looking a little green behind the gills. <laughs> I think that's when you're on the water too much and don't want to be there. And when you're sick. Oh, <sighs> right. Okay. Usually from the waves. Failure. <sighs> page one. Go, Rob. Failure, Will Robinson. Failure. Uh, we actually opened with a really cool splash page where we got this kind of a mummified looking corpse holding some kind of a pick. And he's got this uh, like starburst pattern of energy on his forehead and like lightning kind of surrounding him and this crazy green light and I guess it's inter it's important to say that previous to this issue we've been dealing with a serial killer who uh, is connected to an old myth in the Gem City in the Gem City's lore in, in the Gem City's lore kind of like the boogeyman yeah evidently he was a miner who uh, was supposed to be so greedy that he caved in his own mind, and then he's remained there as a ghost, killing people ever since. Caved in his own mind? It's my mind, mind shaft. Okay. Not, not his brain. No, not his mind. Go on. His, his diamond mind. He's talking about shaft? Yep. Damn right. <laughs> no one understands him but his lady. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. At the very bottom of the panel, we can see the Flash's hands coming up. Um, and Barry's talking about basically being being asleep, but he can still see what's going on. He can still see this guy attacking him. And he's kind of... It looks like he's kind of running, half-falling through a cemetery as this thing is pursuing him and like trying to lash at him with its pickaxe. And eventually it finally gets towards him, and it like reaches into the Flash's chest and starts becoming one with him. And the main thing that the spirit is saying as it's doing this is uh, death to the Fletchers. Now, Fletchers must die. Yeah. It's... Same thing. Yeah. But, uh... Fletcher, I could think of was Fletch. Fletch one. Yeah. It immediately... St it actually starts, like, becoming one with him. And when it takes over... Like, we can see the, the Starburst, like... Imposed upon his forehead. Yes, imposed upon Flash's forehead. And then his speed lines all become, like, green. Um, but we started having two or three monologues within the Flash's head. One of them being Flash trying to tell himself to wake up. And another one talking about wanting to kill the Fletchers. And then another one is trying to tell the Flash to resist. 
and uh, over time we wind up having the Flash decide that he's you know, he's just done. He wants he wants anything out, and so he winds up, I guess, hitting a certain point where he's vibrating his molecules fast enough that he actually causes both spirits to shoot out of his body. And we wind up finding out the dead man and whatever this green creature is had both possessed him. And the green creature kind of bounces off and it sees this guy on a motorcycle and it goes off and possesses him and takes off. And uh, Deadman stays to help the Flash. And we kind of find out that Deadman has evidently been tracking this thing and was trying to stop it. And he didn't have time to warn Barry before he jumped in to try to prevent him from being um, taken over, being possessed. Because yeah. if it could get into Flash with his powers... And its murderous spree would just be out of control. Mm -hmm. And so the dead man's kind of explaining, you know, who this guy is, and we find out that Barry knows about the legend of, of this miner. It's kind of the boogeyman story for Century City. Or, you know, yeah, it's Century City. Well, in any of the gym cities, apparently. So any one of them. The way he makes it sound is that any of the gym, the gym cities would have the same rumor yeah. or the same myth. Because Flash heard about him, Deadman's like, you know about him? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, it's some kind of... Which is interesting, because I don't know if any of the rest of them survived. Because Flash is still Century City. Green Lantern's been in and out so much, I don't... Keystone City. It's Keystone City oh, is Central Keystone? City. Yeah. Central City. And then what, Star was uh, Green Arrows. Yeah. Star, Star, Star isn't around anymore. Um, I think it is. I think he, isn't he in Star City? No, he's in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Huh. The gem cities, though, are just Keystone and Central. Really? Oh, cities. okay. Star wasn't part of that? Hmm. I always said it was. Because that's where the two Flashes came from, and they were the two that sit next to each other. That... Hmm. Right, okay. Okay. Well, I am been corrected. I wish that Star was a part of that. But... Little did I know that they're not. That's okay. It's fine. Let's see, he's in Seattle anyways. So when it's quiz time, there's only two. <laughs> How many gym cities are there? According to Ross, there's two. You know what killed Jim City? Richard Roundtree? <laughs> oh my god. You know who I'm talking about. Damn straight. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, they uh, go over the whole idea of uh, basically Deadman apologizing for taking over the Flash without letting him know that. And then uh, the Flash's like, so you know who I am? And he's like, yeah, uh, but Phil really good about that because I was surprised. So by reading, because whenever the dead man possesses somebody, he winds up taking over, seeing some of their memories. He, do, he lives their memories, yeah. too, so he can feel what's happening. Exactly. So he learns who the Flash is, and he's like, I was really surprised who you were, like your real identity, which is pretty, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, and Flash kind of looked dejected when he found out. Yeah, a little bit. Oh. Yeah. He's like, dang it. Well, he's lost something, and the Flash has been pretty decent about not revealing his identity to a whole lot of people, but there is a few people who know so far. But um, another thing that comes out of that is that Flash was worried that this ghost had been involved in his mother's killing. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately, like, Deadman confirms that it's not the case. Now, previous to this issue, Flash had exhumed the body of... Um, Who we thought was Archibald Dean. Yeah, to get a DNA test. And so um, that was one of the things, like, Iris, or not Iris, uh, shoot... The Maddie? Thing. Maddie, yeah. Patty, yes. It was one of the things Patty was doing when she was doing DNA testing for that. 
back at the lab. Anyhow, so Deadman and him kind of have a conversation, and they try to brainstorm where the next target's going to be. Um, we kind of find out from there that the ghost uh, can only stay in a body for so long, unless that body has a direct blood relation. So from there, the biker that he that he jumps into uh, goes to like one of the history museums, and he smashes up a, an old miner's display so he can get a pickaxe and he can get his mining gear. I'm pretty sure it was the display of, of what was his from the uh, the history of the city. I think so as well. Uh, from there, we kind of get a brief history of what this guy was really about. Ulysses Sutter? Yeah. Evidently, he and uh, the Fletchers were two separate families that moved into the uh, Jewel City territories. Like, everybody kind of knew that there was, was possibly gold in these mountains. And so everybody was taking up plots of land and trying to find gold. Well, they're working the same piece of land. Because of, uh, because of the weather in the winter and they hadn't found anything yet, the one gave up and was going to go home. And on the way home, he decided, man, I, I can't leave my friend out here to die. So he turned around and he went back to the mine. That's when he finds him with the diamonds. And of course, he freaks the hell out because he figures this dude's been lying to me this whole time. Sees Red, stabs him with the pickaxe, and then caves in the mine, leaves him there to die of starvation. The whole time cursing the Fletcher's name. And then uh, eventually he comes back with his family um, and stakes a proper claim to the land. And then uh, mines what he already knew was there. But in the end it made uh, Sutter's ghost become like this very vengeful spirit. And so he can only be really sated by the blood of the Fletcher's. Downsides, it's like been 150 some odd generations, 150 years since that time, so there's a lot of Fletchers out mm -hmm. there. Yeah. So he's going to wipe out the Fletcher line. So he wants to yeah. do, yeah. And then uh, from there, we go back to, we get a jump to the crime lab, where we wind up having one of the captains uh, come in, and he wants to have Patty and. I can never remember his name, like this kind of heavy set black guy that's a, a part of the the. Forest. Forensics units, yeah. He wants them particularly to go down to uh, the museum to examine this this new body. And, of course, Forrest is like, oh, man, I got all this work. I don't want to go because he never wants to leave the lab. Like, he's kind of, they've established pretty early on that he, was, he, he doesn't want to go anywhere. He's pretty lazy about his job, unfortunately. But um, he's been, he's the one who's now in charge of cataloging the 12 bodies from this this murder before Flash really gets involved. And so he's he's really particular about sending them down to check out the crime scene. But before they leave, um, the guy who's basically been uh, Barry Allen's like adopted father almost. Yeah. He was the, the police captain. Uh, calls Patty aside and he wants to have a talk with her because she absumed or she took files from um, Nora. Nora, uh, Nora, Nora Allen's cold case. And Barry wanted her to look into it to see if she had a connection, or had a DNA connection to um, these these current killings. That's why he zoomed the body to begin with. And basically the uh, the older cop is he's more upset like that they're looking into it like he didn't do a good enough job. Yeah. yeah, he's pretty pissed about it for some weird reason. 
And he tells her, how, I'm the only one, I've investigated this case more than anyone else. There's nothing there. Yeah, like it was closer than she knew. Yeah, that he says that to her. Yeah. And she's all apologetic and like, yeah, well, I know you basically raised Barry as if he was your own. And you get this weird shot of his face, and I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. It's, I don't it, know if that ever happened before either. The, no, not Barry that Barry was raised by weird... Captain guy? Did we yeah. ever go through his past in the series? I think all we ever knew about was that his mom was killed. I don't think we ever like. So maybe they're fleshing this out now. Yeah, yeah. There was a connection. It's it's old enough that I don't remember, but I mean, I've been weirded with Barry Allen for a while because he's just he's not the Flash that I knew that much about. It's hard to say on this because he makes a good argument that keeping going back to this old cold case with his mom is not helping him. It's not letting him move forward, and it could kill his career. But at the same time, like. Yeah, it seems pretty suspect what he's doing and what he's saying. I say suspect. And in the end... I got nothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dead Man's already confirmed that it wasn't this guy, so they don't need to do the... the um, well, at the time, she doesn't the know DNA that, assessing. but later, no. the two of them have a conversation where they, he tells her that he knows it's not him. Yeah. But yeah, it's... It, I don't know, I thought it was really suspect, and like the whole maybe him being... You almost like you're your own kid. I'm like, really? That's too easy, though. I think. Yeah, and, it's too easy to. That's that's put right on paper. It's way too easy. Yeah. Uh, I really think it's way too easy. Unless yeah, it's hiding in plain sight. But you know old universe is it's Professor Zoom that caused all the problems, and well, that was just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, time travel's crazy. That's why. Could I like it still it. be Professor Zoom? And maybe the old man's Professor Zoom. Maybe the or maybe the captain's Professor Zoom. Captain Zoom. Captain Zoom. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. But if if it's him, then that doesn't make any sense for him to raise Barry. Right. Why why not just do it with a kid too? You know what I mean? Like I don't know. It, it, whatever. Stop. Go it. on. Stop it. I'm pretty sure it's still connected to Zoom. Actually. All the records. Yeah. Either way, yeah, uh, they go to the Hall of Records because they're trying to figure out the. Um, oh gosh. Like the all genealogy. the genealogy. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for, for um, the Fletchers, and their records don't start until 1989. Yeah, somebody took all the records prior to that year. Yeah, so he can't really follow the trail very well. Now, Dead Man finds, like, a crazy book that doesn't seem like it should be a part of the uh, library. So it must be, like, a ghost book. Because Dead Man can't interact with the rest of the world. He's just pulls it out of thing. Anyways, <laughs> Why not? He's a ghost. He can do stuff like that. But this particular book is more about what ghosts are and, like, how to combat them. Yeah, it basically looks up what kind of spirit this dude is. And being a vengeful spirit, the whole Satan, the only way to make him go away is to kill all the Sutters. Not Sutters, sorry, kill all the, uh... Fletchers. The Fletchers. Yeah, my bad. That was loud, sorry. Good job. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's going to be pretty difficult to get rid of him. They kind of have a little bit more conversation with that, and then Patty calls, and he explains about the DNA. But he finally has kind of this, like, this thought that... If Dead Man could see inside his mind and knew about him digging up the body, so they knew about the DNA, so would the ghost. So the ghost would have seen the Flash's memories too, and realized he was a cop, and then realized he'd have access to the police database, and could track his blood from his bloodline. A la records solved. Mm. So the Flash starts heading back to the police precinct while he's talking with Patty. She and uh, Forrest are now investigating the crime scene where the guard was killed in the museum. And uh, 
I have this whole thing where he sees one of the lo the pictures crossed out. I guess that's actually what really alerts him to it, being there as the picture that's crossed out. But he hightails it back to the uh, to the, the cold case lab, and we find uh, kind of the the captain. I guess he's he's the guy who's in charge of the cold case section there, or the forensic section. Sing, do you know who Singh is? Uh, he's just kind of the jerk guy that. Yeah, he's, he works for. Yeah, he's in charge of the section, but yeah, I don't know if he's that important. But he's the one who sent Forrest and Patty out of the office. But he looks pretty darn surprised, but he's standing there with the pickaxe, and he's killed the rest of the scientists in the lab. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think he... He's, he's not the same guy that ordered them to go yeah. down and work on the... Uh, go do the crime scene, but he's, he's connected them to... So he's not the captain-captain. Just so people don't get confused. It's a different dude. Yeah, he's, he's typically the guy that like Barry says, "I'm gonna go work on this," and he's like, "No, no, you need to go do this instead." That's basically his job. So he's a case blocker. <laughs> yes. Yay, yeah. Yeah. Good job. He's he's in charge of like of the crime lab, but he's not like the captain of the station. So he's in charge of being a jerk. There you go. There you go. But yeah, he's been he's been around for a little while, but like that's kind of the cliffhanger they leave us with is that. He's got all these murdered bodies, the pickaxe there, and we put the spirit in the police precinct. However, he doesn't seem to be covered in that green energy or have the starburst. Problem is, for all intents and purposes, he murdered these people. So, right. So where's the? Even if he's under the influence of the ghost, like it's still his body that did it. So yeah, but Flash is gonna know that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You got a pickaxe. Saying, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. Like, come on, you know what's going on. Right. Well, Flash does. Yeah. Now we don't even know where that damn ghost is. Exactly. That's He's ghost point. and ghost. Right. You know what I mean? He's not there. You have no idea. Can't see him. Well, honestly, right. when I first read it, I thought he had, uh, he was still in, Sean, mm -hmm. whatever. But now it, it makes sense that he wouldn't be because we've seen him have that green outline around everybody he's been in. So now I wonder if he's trying to possess the body that they exhumed. Archibald? Oh man, have you got into his own body? No, the, the previous killer. Mm -hmm. Oh man, maybe. Because mm, he would have been—he would have been connected by bloodline, mm -hmm. so he'd be able to stay in the body. And all the marshals knew that they were getting got after, because I'm guessing they're the ones that removed the records. Right, That's quite maybe. Yeah, because yeah, it's not the ghost. Mm -mm. Huh? Interesting. I guess I didn't think about that too much. I think it's funny. The last book that uh, Barry had in his hand was a phone book. Like yeah. that's that's what he's got right. reserved to was trying to find him in the phone book. Yeah, that was funny to me. I love it about. It. Okay, so uh, score book, Curtis Gell. I haven't read a flash book in years. I'll give it a three. I, I did have one more thing I wanted to throw out there real fast. Um, it's interesting to me. I don't know when this started happening, but like it used to be that Dead Man really could only be seen by a couple people. It seemed like if you had a magic connection, you could see Dead Man. And Flash doesn't have any problem seeing him or hearing him or anything, so I, I don't know if that's a new 52 or what. I think when uh, Flash teamed up with Justice League Dark, I mm. think that's when. Oh, that's quite possible. Yeah. So uh, maybe he wants Flash to see him. Well, I'm sure he'd like anybody to so. see him. <laughs> well, that's a good question, yeah, because you're right. Even the beginning of the Hawk and Dove stuff, like, Hawk couldn't see him. Dove could see him, though, that they had that weird love connection. Yeah, from when he was the White Lantern. Yeah. But you're right. He did have that whole run-in with the Justice League Dark, because they even talk about that a little bit, mm -hmm. where Dead Man's making fun of Constantine. Yep. So maybe there was something there. I don't know. Take that, Constantine. Anyway, so three. Yeah, I'll give it a three. Right. Sweet. Ross? 
I'd probably give it a 3-2. Yeah, that's my boy. 3.2, all right. Um, all right, I'll also give it a 3. Uh, it was pretty good. Like I, it's, We're basically dealing with the murder mystery, which I, I don't know. I guess I like that kind of stuff, too. So it was, it was a fun book. Barry Allen's, he's a cool character. That's, and that's kind of the stuff I don't like is the murder mystery stuff. Right, yeah. Good. But I like I liked this just fine. Yeah. Just throw a cape on somebody, I'm happy. <laughs> he's got a cape, though. Tight. There you go. Rob? Um, I yeah, I enjoyed it. it. It's another one of those ones where it actually is using Barry's abilities that Wally didn't have, you know, because he is a crime scene investigator. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes with this, what, what we're going to build out, and what he's going to do. Because in, in theory, the issues prior to this, there's an innocent man who's been locked away for all these murders because of the ghost. So it'll be interesting to see if he can like prove a way to get that guy out of jail along with catching a ghost and find some way to actually make that work in a in a believable way with his police background so I don't know it'll be interesting to see but yeah I liked it so I'd give it a three Ms. Mike? I haven't read any uh, Flash since the whole Grodd invasion thing but uh, this one was pretty cool different way different um, I'd give it a three right on that's a pretty good overall score Threes. It's still written by Brian Bouchelet or whatever. Right. Listen, yeah, French Medical's off the book. He's going to, to detective. Patrick right. Searcher. I think this is either the last or close to the last for Brian Bouchelet too. Oh, yeah? He's going with him. Oh right. Huh. Well, they're both going to detective comics soon, hmm. which makes sense for detectiving. <laughs> is that really a good mind? <laughs> okay, it's going to the wake. I, I think it's deducing. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Don't shake your head at me. Somebody has to. <laughs> We've got The Return of the Wake. Yeah. So they took a, a kind of long hiatus between five and six. And he left us with a huge cliffhanger with the giant merman creature showing up under the ocean. And thousands of little merpeople that were going to destroy our underwater drill. And so we start this issue, and we completely ignore that and go over and have a story in the future. Well, the last page of the previous one did, did introduce her story, her part of the story. The last page, number five, it kind of leads us to her. Mm-hmm. There we go. But it is very much a cliffhanger for everything. Yeah. And we're just going to... We'll, we'll get back to that here in a little while. <laughs> uh, but we're going back to the story that we, we actually started the book on which is way up in the future where the ocean has risen ever so much. Flooded the cities. It's like the first three pages of issue one. Yeah. Yeah, so flooded the coastal cities. Yeah. So it's very much the, the water world kind of thing. Um, but we see our our heroine now in the water. Um, shoot. Leeward. Yeah. So was it Leeward? Leeward. Okay, I was just going to say. Let's check that out. Uh, and she's... Seems like she's drowning, and we kind of see under the water, and we have all these mer creatures coming up to like help her, attack her. Who no, knows? She, she's definitely, yeah. She's she's yelling that oh they're they're in here, they're in here, help me! And you see them getting ready to basically come try to I don't know, probably eat, rip her apart, eat her, whatever. It's possible. Mer people don't seem to be very uh, happy to help people, so. Uh, and then she says, "Let's go fishing," and she presses this uh, little clip, and it activates uh, something on the back of her dolphin rush with a like a sonic attack 
that seems to paralyze um, some of the murder creatures. Yeah, I think like a pulse of some type. Mm. It doesn't. I don't think it exactly explains it, but it, it looks like a yeah. high pitch, like a frequency kind of thing, like a high pitch sound, mm. and it basically renders them like uh, inert. Which would make sense, anyways. I mean, most uh, underwater life is affected by sound, so um, from there she decides she's going to harvest their heads. Awesome. She grabs it by the gill. Yeah. yeah. By the first one, she's like, this one looks juicy, and then you just see the machete go up, and then uh, next up you see her, she's got a bag full of heads. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of using this glider attached to Rush the Dolphin, it's bringing her into our city. And we see, like, a rather large flag that's been mounted on the top of, a like, a retention wall. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, an old colonial flag. So it's only got the six stripes and the circle stars. Thirteen. Because yeah. there's 13 territories in the book. That's so how they divided it. Do you think that they went back to the original 13, or do you think that they've... Well, there's 13 colonies originally. Yeah. I'm guessing it's a der- derivation off of that flag. There we go. <clears throat> but anyways, uh, so she comes into our very much like Waterworld-type city. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. And we're kind of getting to see a lot of people doing their things, and we experience a lot of like strange new lingo. I wouldn't say a lot. I don't know. I felt like there was a bunch when I was reading it. So, but either way, we kind of find out that like the way the economy seems to work here is mostly on trades. And so she shows up with her bag full of heads and wants to trade them to the barkeep named Pub. And uh, like when he's what, what he's evidently wanting to get from them is the hallucinogenic sacks that are underneath their eyes things that were causing a lot of problems in the first one, which has now become like a like a recreational drug, it sounds like. And at least for these people, they get high on it, pretty much. Yeah, they call it tincture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he wants to harvest those, and he wants to originally trade her water, and she's like, oh, no, no, I got that. You told me that there was going to be an ear here. Or kind of, I don't know. I was, I was kind of like an ear. What are you going to use an ear for? Um... And I thought this was an interesting little thing, too. Like, we go into his his storeroom of treasures, and one of the things he has is this giant matte painting of a very heavy-set woman in a swimsuit. And that's what he's got his, uh, his old safe behind. And so I kind of wonder, like, I don't know. Sorry, that's another... I think it's just supposed to be old art. I don't think it's supposed to be... Like, anything special? No. Okay. But uh, in his... Wall safe. He he winds up having this uh, like kind of sophisticated piece of electronics that's evidently a part of a old radio that could have they could pick up like powerful uh, radio transmissions. Right. And so that's why they're calling it ear because you could plug it in, and you can listen through the radios. Right. Uh, evidently, it was traded to him by a guy named Arm. Yeah. Weird. Right. And that the. the there's at least a group of people that don't want anybody to have this kind of technology. They don't like the idea of having somebody who can who can listen in. But there's not supposed to be anybody who's on these radios, so... Yeah. And we kind of find out from there where she's living is uh, in an old biplane. Think Telspin. Uh, yeah, yeah, very like Telspin-y yeah, type plane. I love it. That's uh, been marooned on top of this cliff. And either it was wrapped around a tree, or a tree's kind of grown up in it, 
It's keeping it in place. And that's what she's made her home inside. And from there she's got a, like the old uh, radio from that. And she's kind of trying to boost power on it and listen to the ham radio signals. And what we found from there is that she's found an old airline map that had all of the airline designation routes mapped out on it. And she's made a overlay now from what she knows of the the New World's coastlines. And so we kind of get the first look at what the, the world is like now, all the places that we've lost yeah, in the different areas. The, yeah, after all the flooding and whatnot. And some of the different areas that are out there, like we're finding like there's these... There's a group that they call the tree people that are living in these really tall trees, um, like about mid-America. And then there's a there's a group of people that are making like Easter Island type statues that look kind of like the Mer people out of the sand, over in the sands. And there's like a, an area that's like it seems like it's probably been hit with nuclear activity. So there's the Deadlands. So we kind of see that like the world has kind of changed around. But this is the first time we get to see the the map of it through her overlays. But prior to that, we also learned how the water rose. Yeah. Because the mer people took the warm water up to the poles and melted the ice. At least that's what they say, yeah. So, But it seems like there's a lot of um, hearsay in the future. Yeah. So, who knows? But yeah, that's, that's what they say. So she's trying to kind of listen to the radio, and she's trying to dial in any kind of reception. She winds up hitting it, and it kind of shuts off for a while. From there, we go off and we visit another another group of people. And we find out from them that they're like set on some kind of lake. And they've kind of built their cities all around it. So it's just like harbors from across one little lake. They seem to be like the new capital of the United States. And we kind of learn like who's in charge with this empress, or not empress, I'm sorry. What do they call her? Magistrate, maybe? Mm -hmm. It's kind of magistrate, and we see the like the take on the army that's with her now, and how they're kind of about finding ways to, to make new weapons to fight against the Mer people, but they're also about... Like, they have a strange kind of dominance that they want to put over other people, which is the weird thing that I came across from that. They have the largest reservoir of fresh water. Mm -hmm. As fresh water is going away. Yes. I didn't know so. if that was the only reservoir of fresh water or if that was all. The largest. They have the largest. Mm -hmm. So Of the 13 yeah, colonies. It's yeah, a, it's, a, it's a commodity now. And I think that's what Lee was kind of trading for to begin with. Then she wanted the ear. Yeah. Because you also see her put eye drops in, so I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. So now them being based there would give them quite a bit of power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it seems like water... Or at least fresh water seems to be a big part of the uh, resources for, for the country. But they're trying to work up a, a new weapon to use against these gigantic underwater fish people. And they've got a killer shark hooked up with uh, all kinds of equipment on its back. And it produces some kind of a, like a photon blast that only works for a few moments. Unfortunately, all it really does is kind of just piss off the giant instead of actually damaging it at all. But um, we found out from there that she doesn't really tolerate failure that much because she sets him on a, a timetable to have it done within two or three months, even though you know, this was like the pinnacle of his achievement and all he could do was give him a headache. 
Well, they say that this would have rendered one, or a murking two months ago, it would have rendered it unconscious or dead or something like that. Yeah. Mm. So it's not working anymore. Oh, so, so you get a sense of evolution in these creatures. So the merchings are becoming tougher, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I missed that part. I thought it was something that they... Uh, it just wasn't working that well for mm -hmm. them. Like, they, it was new technology, but... Oh, just something else right here, and I don't, I don't know if we just haven't gotten to it yet or not, but they've changed the national bird from the to eagle a to a crane, and that's kind of what the lady's talking about the whole time, is why... Yeah, we also saw that um, on her map. There's a point where the lake area has been named, and then it's scratched through, and it says Crane Bay. That's where we're actually or at. Crane City, actually. Yeah, we're in Crane City. So it used right to be now. called like Crater Lake. That's Crane City. But yeah, evidently, um, what their their take on it was that the each the eagle was a cowardly bird that would steal from its neighbors and steal nests and kill its you know, kill, kill uh, other things that were weaker than it. And the crane is strong, strong in the water. And so, like, there's this ideology, I guess, being built up about what the crane and the eagle represent. And I guess the idea I, that I kind of got from it was that the eagle represented, like, the old way of American thinking, and that the crane was, like, this new kind of doctrine. And so, I don't know exactly what that is going to mean, ultimately. But we do have this whole moment where he's introducing these troops to the uh, the governess, and he pulls one aside that was one of his captains, and is kind of talking to him about like, oh well, do you believe in the new crane ideals, or are you an eagle man? And he's like, oh yeah, I believe in the crane. That's not no big deal. And like as he's kind of leaving, the other guy just winds up shooting him in the head, and we find out that he had uh, he had knew the whole time that this guy was the one who. Had, had took an ear and sold it to somebody just because I'm sure he was just doing it because he thought he could get something good out of it but it makes me wonder if they think that there is something out there that you can hear and that's why they're worried about the uh, the ear being sold but he mentions that he's going to track it from him and find out who they sold it to well maybe they already know something's down there yeah I kind of I agree with that idea as well sure. I just don't think it's public knowledge yet. They don't. It doesn't appear they, they want, want it to be because they're they're pretty much in control of things yeah. for the most mm -hmm. part. So they don't want that to change. They don't want to get people to rally around. Yeah. Or you have a government that want to control the the ants in the government in their people colony things animals. It's a new concept. Ants. <laughs> I have them on. On fire. Mm. Well, that is good control pants. Good to control the pants. If Hawkeye had some pant control, that would have been a different issue. That's coming up later in the show. Well, that's true. And so uh, we catch up with, uh, with our main heroine here, Leeward, Leeward um, hanging out on a like a cot that she's got built hammock. off to the yeah. There we go, a hammock. She's got built off to the side of the ship. Or if you're from Wisconsin, it's a hammock. Hammock. A hamhawk. Is that kind of like, yeah, I was going to say, is it kind of like a hamhawk? Anyhow, um, it's pretty cool because it's like strapped to the wings, so she's just like suspended out over the ocean. But uh, she starts hearing a buzzing from the radio, 
when she gets inside there, she hears somebody making a response. So she hears, like, hello, can you hear me? Uh, Something's actually contacting her through this radio phone. But before she can really investigate it, the soldiers show up. And they're telling her that she's under arrest for having the ear, and they've got these kind of crazy spring boots. Like them, yeah, like stills. They're allowing them to come up to where she's got the plane at. And she acts like she's going to surrender at first, and then she pulls some kind of Indiana Jones stuff and, like, swings around the plane and uh, manages to, like, fight off at least one of them. And then she grabs a stick that has a merman head on it that she uses as a club with its teeth like uh, little spikes. And unfortunately, she winds up being overpowered by this group, and as they're trying to subdue her, uh, the radio signal comes through loud enough that uh, everybody hears it, and just everybody kind of stops, because they're hearing this communication that they thought was never possible. And kind of the last cliffhanger thing is, uh, we hear the voice over the radio say, my name is Dr. Lee Archer, I'm alive down here, and I can tell you how to save the world. Which would be our main character from the first part of the... Was it? Was that her name? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it would be her ancestor. Like from, just like 200 years later. I would think. Well, it's hard to say if it's supposed to be, if Lee Weeks is supposed to, or Lee... Lee Weeks? Lee Word. Excuse me. If Lee Word is supposed to be her ancestor or not. It just makes sense. The very beginning of this book, they tell you that, that how many years has it been? 200. 200 years. So 2014, which is where... Lee is trapped at the bottom of the ocean in this submarine fighting these fish guys for the first time, to our knowledge. And now you're 200 years in the future, and somehow there's a message coming from an, a radio in the bottom of the ocean that's her, maybe? At least it seems like it'd be her. Freaking awesome. And crazy. Yeah, yeah we were talking earlier about it being a recording, maybe, or... Yeah, well, I mean, it would make sense if it was a, if it was a recording that just ran on a loop or whatever. I'm but, almost thinking time travel. I was going to say time travel. That's always my answer, but always. How? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read that. Maybe through stuff. those creatures, you know, because she's well, still four more captured by them, and I, who knows. Yeah. Maybe time yeah. doesn't move the same way down on the bottom. But the maybe. Ocean? I don't know, man. Like, we think back to, like, the Flash in, I want to say, issue it's either issue three or issue four, where you've got Pro-Magnum Man, or Cro-Magnum Man, Pro-Magnum. excuse me, Cro-Magnum Man, and these, like, I don't know, Indian-type guys? Like, more evolved humans. And they're riding around on a giant, what looks like a tank being pulled by, um, I think it was horses, maybe? Remember the giant cannon that they, sh- that they're, they're all, like, they, you don't see a lot of the cannon, you see it from the back, the back and you see it from the side. And it's like the Native American type guys are riding it and meeting with the Pro-Magnums. Cro-Magnums, excuse me. I know it's issue four. It's got to be. Do you remember that at all? Wh- which book? Dang it. Wait, wait. Issue four. Hmm. It's like the probably the end. As I, if I remember right, that was pretty close to where one of the, um, the Cro-Mags had some kind of like the looking device. And he like was gouging his eye out with it. Yeah. That was the end of issue one, actually. This is like oh. issue three or four. It's, it's been a minute, unfortunately. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> really? I'm not trying to... I, I oh, really man. have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, we'll have to dig up four for you and take a look at it. I'm pretty sure it's four. It could be five. Five was a double-sized issue, so it could be five, but I'm pretty sure it's four. Pretty sure. 
But it's like future technology back during Chromagnum time. Same as the crazy thing that you'd use the carbon right. in his eye. So, uh, who knows what kind of technology come from the merman people type No, with that, with that eye thing, that actually kind of makes sense. Right? Kind of makes sense. So, time travel probably. It's crazy theory. Oh, God. There's time travel involved. What if the mer people are people from the future that are evolved into mer people going back in time? That's what I thought. That's to begin with. It's also a possibility, you know. They... They don't. They're never very clear. Or they get, yeah. Because you don't. This is the first time we see them, and we see them in like adult form. You figure we would have seen them shortly or as adolescents, sometime in the past. Huh, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, and I guess, I don't know. It just depends on whether the giant one is just what they evolve into. Maybe they start yeah, small or stay small. Because in theory, they've been around for a long time. Because the legend, legend of mermaids are based on these crazy fish monsters. Then. They've been around since but, seafaring pirate days. They're evolving. There's, there's time travel involved. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And they could have just gone back into way back in the past. And, and it's also a possibility that these mer-creatures are like the idea of Atlantis. They're far more evolved than we are. And it's just that it's just that their technology has been lost to us under the ocean. So, just saying. I haven't read any of the other parts of it, but they reminded me a lot of the trench mm. in Aquaman. They yeah, would. it's got a similar feel. You'd be wrong, sir. <laughs> Just because they have crazy faces. Well, yeah, they do have the same crazy teeth. In the ocean? Yeah, well, there's water, too, yeah. And they kill people. Okay, Ross, there's more than just one. Blue weirdos. They're kind of blue, sort of. Anyway, oh, score book, Ross, go. I'd give it probably four and a half. I thought it was really good. And that's without knowing anything. Yeah, prior. just coming into it clean, I thought it was awesome. Well, it really is like a, the middle of the series is pretty much a new starting point almost. I mean, yeah, so you, you miss where the Doctor comes from, but the way it starts, it gives you that whole... The first page has got... It's been this long since this happened, this is where we're at, and go. So, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I can see it starting there being good. Plus... Leeward is she's awesome. Her blue hair and her awesome glider and her dolphin, great. Anyway, um, I'll give it a four. Also, uh, Rob, go. Uh, yeah, I'm giving a a four. I I really wanted to see where we were gonna go with the giant one in, under the sea. So we'll see. We'll get to it eventually. I was a little like let down that we didn't go back to our characters in the story, but it builds out the the future character timeline. So. Well, this just gives us that, because we've got the voice of Lee Archer, mm-hmm. so now we'll go back, probably. Yeah, next I'm day. sure we will. Yeah. Mr. Mike? I give it a four and a half. It's, a, it's an awesome story, and, of course, Murphy's art it doesn't hurt it. No, not at all. Yeah. Four and a half. Cool. Easy. Got it? Yeah, Murphy. As good as his art was prior to this, this one brings it home. It's a lot more clean to me. It it's seems. like he stepped it up a notch. Yeah. If I'm, that's possible. I'm going to step out and give it a five. Yeah, man. Nice. Good. Yeah, because right. <laughs> it's usually something I wouldn't be into, but it's good. It's really good. Yeah. It's got that whole future bull crap thing that I like. So <laughs> That crap thing. Yeah. Science. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It, it hooked me. It, it is good. And it's, it's really cool they put out the five-part 
um, the one, the collected version. So now, if you at this point, you can buy two books and you basically be current. Anyway, um, fantastic. Uh, let's move on to. Huh. You didn't read the first Hawkeye. Book. I did. Oh, I just didn't remember. That. I'm gonna go home. No. You sit down. The hell up. I'm dying, man. <coughs> Did you not read Hawkeye? I didn't read any of the other next stuff. So. Ross? Did everyone really clap Ross off the show? Is that a good idea? This is why we can't have good things. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no one's allowed to have anything nice. Well, thanks for coming and doing the first half. Yeah. You well, sit the hell down. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get you. Uh, we'll have to get you the, the first half of the week. Sorry. Well, that's right. Whatever, jerkwad. <laughs> yeah. We just we just know that cocaine is not the answer to sickness now. Hey, cocaine, addictive customer. <laughs> <laughs> about they're chopping the line on the railing out here. <laughs> Doctor Rockstar. Let me have your credit cards. <laughs> You need a dollar bill? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's only because he wants to buy another tea. 99 cent tea? I got you. <laughs> Alright. It's a good time. So we'll move on to Hawkeye. Now with 100% less Ross. No. Oh. It is sad when I say well, that. Well, it's a pretty way. dry issue for him. Right. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Is because there's no water involved? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those of you that aren't aware, uh, issue 15 came out uh, this week, whereas issue 16 came out last month. The two books, uh, they, they're separate characters in each book, and they don't tie into each other. So, book-wise, uh, you can read them in order or out of order without any loss. Hawkeye is weird. Yeah, I was really surprised with that. I... I thought there had to be some kind of reason for the number issue. There isn't. It just is what it is. Uh, 14 and 16 seem like they're more connected than 15, which, you know, 14 and 16 are both heavily featuring Katie Bishop, and then 15 is, is all Clint. So She needs to give the dog back. Be nice. And get the hell out. Be nice. I, I kind of like her story. I but do. Yeah, her story's been pretty good. But I, I, it's I'm, bullshit. She took the dog. And didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do. I, I'm ready for her to come back and, and be with with Hawkeye. Um, be with Hawkeye. Well. I thought that was kind of like. He wants the, the stories to intertwine. Oh, God. Her to just work with him again. That was the whole reason he wanted her around in the first place is because he figured he wouldn't sleep with her. I read enough of the story to know that. Although I don't know when his brother showed back up, so I have a little gap in my history. Did he show up before this issue? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyhow. Go on. <laughs> so this particular story opens with uh, Hawkeye already in action. In this case, he's being drawn down upon by a bunch of the the bros, the tracksuit mafia, the tracksuit mafia, yeah. And he's uh, out in front of a nondescript van, and his uh, his track pants have fallen down. So he's just standing there, like in his boxers. 
and the guys with the guns are all uh, wanting to get in the van, and he's like, can I just pull up my pants? <laughs> Would it be okay if I pulled up my pants? I'm like, no, no, you can't do that, bro. You gotta get in the van. Can't pull up your pants. And he decides uh, he's got some kind of trick in his up his mind or up his sleeve. I'm sorry. Let's try proper English, I guess. That's never bogged you down before. No, nope, never has. <laughs> <laughs> and so he basically tells him, "Well, if you won't let me put my pants up, I got at least one more trick to show you." And then we go back and we start finding out what leads us to that scenario. She's got uh, Bobby in his apartment. And they've got all kinds of stuff all over the place. Um, and his brother, Barney, is kind of over in a corner doing a crossword puzzle. And so he's, like, randomly saying whatever his... Yeah, randomly asking questions to do with the answers to the crossword puzzle. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, that, that part is a little weird, but whatever. And uh, Bobby's kind of... I guess what she's doing is she's trying to figure out the legality of what Hawkeye's been doing. Which I thought he had bought the building, but evidently not. Not really. Not legitimately, anyways. And so he's controlled the building all this time, but it really isn't in his name still. We're kind of finding out why there's all this interest in trying to wrestle away the, the building from Hawkeye. It winds up being that like this shell corporation owns all the other buildings all around them in X number of blocks. So whatever's going on, they're trying to acquire everything. And the people who didn't sell typically wound up having some kind of mysterious circumstances that took them out. The person who's taken them out leaves a very distinct calling card, something that we've become familiar with in the last few issues of Hawkeye. But uh, as we're kind of getting through that information, we go back to Hawkeye having the guns pulled on him in, uh, in the street. And uh, his, his last trick, he's, he's trying to convince these guys he wants to show them that, and they basically like, yeah, okay, we'll hear him out. And so he asks him what the magic word is. And the guy's like, abracadabra? He's like, no, 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 magic word is Barney. Like, really, Barney? He's like, yeah, but you gotta yell it really loud. And so the guy yells Barney. And from out of nowhere, this uh, trash can lid comes flying out. And then there's Barney, Clint's brother, like, taking out half these guys. And they have this whole moment where they're fighting the tracksuit mafia, and they actually have a really good connection as brothers, which is neat. So it's been a little while since uh, since we've ever had that with Hawkeye and his brother. Well, yeah, I mean Barney's been running around as a villain for I don't know better part of his whole entire career in Marvel. Well, yeah, pretty much. But he was a part of the Thunderbolts before the oh, name changed. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I guess I guess he was only a part of the Dark Avengers, but it was pretty much the Thunderbolts team. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, so the next thing they do is they, they kind of go back again, and we see him meeting with the, the Black Widow. And she's got a dossier book about this killer. And uh, you might have a little bit more knowledge on this than I do, Mike. The, the killer in the story, the guy with the mind face. Have they named him yet? I, I, have re a few I don't recall if he has a... A known name or not, I, don't, I haven't, it's been a while. Yeah, because his, his calling card seems to be a target with a teardrop below it. And he's been killing people in the building, but I guess he's also been... Like Grills. Yeah. What's uh, that? The other character, Grills, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, Hawkeye's buddy. Yeah. 
But uh, evidently he's also been responsible for killing some of the other holdouts in their buildings so that this company could acquire them. And uh, we wind up finding out that the, all these partners have this whole scheme that they're going to build this giant metropolis-style building on this property. And he's like, yeah, and we only have one holdout left. And, you know, we're winding up finding out that, like, this whole deal is going to is hinging on getting it done within X number of months or weeks or years. And so this building has to go. It has to be theirs. Yeah, they're trying to build, like, a super mall and take out all this low-income housing and whatnot. And uh, Clint's building is the only building left that they don't own to demolish, uh, and it's the only thing stopping them from moving forward with with their uh, with their giant mall. And this is the same group of the bros, the Traxi Mafia, the Russians. They're the ones that own the shortcut. They're connected to the, Sh the Shell corporations. So like this whole thing is connected to the Traxi Mafia. And as far as the rest of it's concerned, like without this, with Clint being the one holdout, if he if his property stays over too long. Their contract with the uh, city vaults, they're in their contract with the other, um, the, like, the, the, shoot, what do you call that, the... Unions. The unions, yeah, that's what I was looking for. But the unions falls through, and in that case, basically, they just wash out their own deal, and that's game over for them. What he's kind of found is that Hawkeye's holdings is, is completely legitimate, but they're not going to be able to, like, make him move, so they decide that they're going to openly attack him with the tracksuit mafia guys and so we kind of catch back up with Hawkeye this is shortly before he's been being stuck up in front of the white van and he's like fighting with his pants which evidently somehow he managed to break the uh, this the drawstring tie for his belt and so he's been like fighting trying to keep him up most of the issue and so they pull the guns on him and he kind of gets the drop on him and he winds up dropping his bow and arrow and stuff. Well, of course, there goes his pants, too. But uh, we find out from, from there, like the old man that actually owns the building, he's been really worried about doing much about what Hawkeye's been doing. Half of that's because, you know, Hawkeye could be in the moral right if he calls the cops, you know, his guys go to jail. Worse yet, if he calls the Avengers, everything gets even worse. Well, when it winds up being that he's uh, he's completely illegitimately controlling the building, they they realize that he can't call the cops because he'd be in the wrong, and so the likelihood of him calling the Avengers is pretty low too. We kind of catch up with Hawkeye and Barney after they've taken out the the tracksuit guys over by the van. We find out that there's more tracksuit guys inside the building. This is actually a really cool part where uh, Clint starts running up the stairs to get to uh, one of the other tenants. And we just see Barney, like, jump up and, like, start climbing up the outside of the building on the uh, fire escape. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And Hawkeye kind of has known the building pretty well, so he knows there's a blind corner at the entrance to our apartment. And so when he comes around the corner, he gets the drop on the two thugs there, and he manages to disarm them with arrows. Evidently not lethally. <laughs> and he uh, busts into the apartment, and he disarms another, and the last one has a gun, and he's putting it to the kid's head. This is the the lady, the tenant, the female tenant's son. Mm -hmm. The guy's basically holding the kid hostage. And uh, he's backing up away from Hawkeye, and he gets close to the to the window. And Barney smashes through the window, and, like grabs him and pulls him out to the other side. 
And there's actually kind of a fun little part here when he finally comes in the window, because I think he was going to say quip. He was going to say some kind of, like, funny remark. And before he gets it out, he, like, stops himself, and he's just like, I, I just threw him off the fire escape. <laughs> so, like, he just actually killed this guy. This is awesome. Yeah, except for now, Hawkeye's, like, having to deal with the reality of it. Because, yeah, he hurt these other guys, but they're not dead. Right. But now you have to get the police involved. And he's really not the legitimate owner of this building, so it makes him makes him look bad. And, like, we're kind of seeing that he's been kind of irresponsible about the whole thing. He just wanted to do the right thing. And yeah. Help these people, but... He didn't take all the legal went about it the wrong way. To. Yeah. And so now he's worried that everything's going to crumble down around him. Barney and him kind of start thinking things through, and they're like, God, it's really weird. How did this guy get inside to begin with? And they start kind of thinking about where they were covered and how somebody could get inside the building. And they kind of come to this conclusion that somebody may have let them in through the top. Yeah, via the looking at the uh, crossword puzzle, they figure that out. Mm. And uh, Hawkeye managed to make his way upstairs to the uh, roof. Yeah, they're both going upstairs to the roof. Yeah. And in the process, he's passing things, and we start getting shots of this uh, teardrop killer collecting items as he goes. Uh, and ultimately, they all wind up on top of the roof uh, with the assassin. And things don't look so great for Hawkeye or for Barney. Mm, it looks like he, they don't quite make it all the way to the roof. Like, they're somewhere in... In one of the hallways, but yeah, he Hockey kind of busts out the door, and you see him looking around for the guy, and the dude's just right behind the door, so he doesn't see him until he's already walked into the building too far. And the guy drops the arrows that he had picked up and pulls the gun out of his jacket, and it looks like he's shot both Hawkeye and Barney. It doesn't look like they've been shot in the arm or in the leg or something. I mean, it looks like headshots. So, like, it looks really bad for the uh, the old Barton boys. Right. Them, 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 them Barton boys. Them Barton boys, they're in trouble. It looks kind of bad for the Barton boys. <laughs> <laughs> Not supposed to be Bonneville. Or, you know, Bonneville? That's a Bonnaroo. It's a concert that happens in California. Oh, hey, thank you. We were, we, were, we were going with Boss Hog, and that's what we were trying to get to, and bon, Bodville gets right back in there. Oh. I think it wound up being too, uh... Them don't do Barton boys. He's yeah. in trouble. There you go. How, how's he going to get out of it? Mm. I don't remember how that stuff... I, I remember what we're talking about, but I can't make an impression yeah. of it. Nah, it's been too long. But yeah, I'm, Barton boys are in a heap of trouble. It's kind of the same, but not <laughs> a little more redneck. Than yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so, uh, score buck, Steve, go. Um, I give it a th three, because I thought it was fun. And it's interesting. I like the comedy bits of Hawkeye, and I've liked this book for a while, so. It's good times. Rob? Uh, I would give it probably about two and a half. I, I really did enjoy the book. It's weird that it changes art in about the middle, and then goes back. So, I guess Frank Avia must have had his stuff done before the regular artist. There's a whole chunk in the center that's Frank Avia stuff. But I didn't notice that. Yeah, like in the diner. Are you sure it's Frank Avia? I think it's Aha. Yeah, maybe. It's all Aha. Mm -hmm. Is it? Man, the art seems to change so dramatically. He, he might have been color palette. He might have been pushing it. Maybe. 
But uh, either way, um, I actually like how they did it. It's got a very like Pulp Fiction-y way of telling the story. So we're seeing like... Yeah, it jumps around yeah. quite a bit between the scenes. We see kind of like the crazy conflict and then the, the three stages of getting to that conflict. I've liked how they've used a lot of the characters in the story for a while. So I'm interested to see where they're going to go with it from here. Mr. Mike? Well, I think the only thing hurting this book is the uh, as much as they bounce around back and forth because you kind of lose track of what's going on in this story when you go to the other story for a couple issues and you go back to this one for one and go back to, you know, it's, but I still give it a, still, it's an enjoyable, fun read. Um, I give it three and a half. Mm-hmm. Ms. Kurtz? I don't think you want mine. Go on. It's the only one I read, uh, besides the pizza dog issue. Um, I hate Hawkeye. Hate him. Oh. And Jamie Renner. That's so... That's so not... I go one and a half, too. That's just because you don't like the character in general. That and this story jumps around, like you said, and it's, it's a little bit hard to follow. Mm. Yeah, because I kind of forgot what was happening yeah. with him, with this these characters because we've been at the, the, the oh. Kate Bishop part of it for a couple issues. Yeah. yeah what's going and that's on been good, too, but if they did, like, one arc... With this character one arc with that, I mean. Well, I think that's kind of why they released the numbers out of order in order to try to put the two stories together. Because you go from a Katie Bishop story, then you skip number 15, release number 16, have another Katie Bishop story in that issue, which those two seem to track for the most part, and then you come back to 15 up here. So if they would have released them in correct order, they'd just been like watching episodes of a show where one show you deal with one character, the next show you deal with the next character. But it wouldn't be so far removed. Yeah, but you wouldn't you wouldn't watch one show and then have another episode, and then have another episode that goes back to that other show. You know, Prior, yeah, you, I mean, you they've they've skipped there. around a couple times on this particular with, the, with when the killer started. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the so it's kind of yeah. it's kind of hard to keep track of. Julia. Yeah, it's been. I mean, it's all there. I mean, even the the Kate Bishop stories are cool too. But yeah, the, yeah. The one before this, dealing with the crazy rock and roll guy. That was yeah, the, cool. the the Beach Boys. The, the Beach yeah, Boys that dude. Off, yeah, that was pretty cool. Her trying to be a, a PI. Good stuff. But she still stole the dog. That pisses yeah, me off. But she needs a sidekick. She didn't get her ass kicked over that dog. No, but she got beat it's up. The, the the old man's the other the other Beach Boys thug type hospital. That workers. wasn't over the dog. It's a pretty <laughs> black eye, man. It's a cool dog though. All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Okay, uh, so let's move on to... Uh, what's next? Is it Vandroid? Vandroid. Vandroid. Okay, Curtis, what, what the, give us a lowdown on the Vandroid. It's cool. That's not, that's not enough, sir. Go. It's, it's, I don't know, it gets billed as like a movie that came out. Well, it was supposed to come out in 84, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, before it could be released, there was a big fire in the production studio and everything about the movie was burned like the negative was burned and i know that's pictures well the, the film, original film yeah. was burned so that's what this is it's like a sci-fi kind of terminator feel kind of cop 80s robo copish yeah kind of mix terminator yeah and i like i like stuff like that i like stupid stuff it is it's got 80s written all yeah. over it yeah they make cocaine references. And look <laughs> yeah. at their hair. Yeah. Well, he's, he's basically sporting a mullet. All of them are. 
clothes, the cars. I mean, just their general references to everything. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a Rowdy Roddy Piper with sunglasses on. <laughs> Freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but they they really try to sell you that this film was was really being made before, mm -hmm. even to the point of having like, oh, these special photos that survived the fire. And here they are in the back. Like, it's really rare that you get to see these. It's propaganda, Rob. No, I understand. Basically, we started up with uh, them firing up this artificial AI. And they're talking about all the power drain that it's taking and how hard it is to get this thing running. And it's the old command prompt computers. Yes. So you type in commands and yep. it's the green, black and green screen. It's awesome. Yeah. And eventually when it finally actually powers up, it's like, Greeting and salutations. How may I assist you in this two red... And basically it looks like a pair of red sunglasses. Is like the only showing that it, like a, like a face for the machine. Mm -hmm. And as we kind of pull out, we see that there's a whole bank of four of them that go around, and all of them have their sunglasses. And we get the guys in the computer lab just woohooing because they created the AI. Yeah, they're all celebrating it. And, and, the, and the main dude, he looks like uh, what's that movie with Bruce, Bruce Willis? Die Hard. Yeah. He looks like the guy in Die Hard. With his flowing hair. Oh, okay. The bad guy. Yeah, yeah, Hans Gruber. Yeah. He's got longer hair than Hans, but yeah, he does. He, the way his face is, he looks kind of like Hans Gruber. Yeah, I can see that. And we see like a, a golden eye, like an Omac eye on top of the computer. Yeah. Yeah, it does look very Omac-like. Which is like the brain of the computer. Yeah, that's all, all the wires and stuff are hooked to that. It seems to be the central processor or whatever for it, so yeah. Yeah, all the computers in the room are hooked up to that thing. And so we have this big moment of success where we started the first artificial intelligence. And from there, we cut away to a science and auto show. Well, I guess it's just like it's an auto show that's being held, like a, like a Comic-Con almost, but yeah, an auto show. Right. And uh, we got these two kids that are kind of little snot noses or whatever, and they're wandering around at the show, and we see like a DeLorean, and it looks like we see a blue Optimus Prime truck, so diesel. And a, a whole bunch of, like, showgirls kind of wandering around. I'm totally impressed with all these movie star cars, all these show cars. And um, as they're going, they're like, oh, my gosh, look, it's the guy from from uh, Night Runners, which is basically like a Night Riders uh, kind of knockoff for it. And, like, the the guy that they name is almost like like Mike Hassler. So, like... So it's, it's the Hoff. Yeah. But not the Hoff. And they kind of look over, and just just down from him is this like heavyset guy with glasses and a Rambo headband. <laughs> it's over by this crazy van, and they're like, well, "Who the heck is that guy?" And I think the kid kid has like pretty much the worst description for a person that you could ever have. So if you're ever looking at somebody and you say, "Man, looks like a dried out zombie cock meat to me," <laughs> like you should probably reevaluate your life, but. <laughs> Freaking awesome. Like, that's that's a really harsh statement, even for a kid. <laughs> and the guy looks like uh, Chuck Norris. A little bit, like a really heavyweight. But yeah, yeah, heavyweight Chuck Norris. You know what? If, if I made the movie today, I'd go get Robert Kirkman to play this I guy. I knew you were going to say that. I he, knew you were. He looks like Robert Kirkman. With glasses. He does. Yeah, he does. Like, yeah. So if you don't know what Robert Kirkman looks like, it doesn't Better help off. you at all. Have you been living under a rock? So we cut back to the computer lab. Yes. And there's a guy with a jug head crown on. You know, I noticed a bunch of guys have that. I 
I kind of wonder if those guys are supposed to be English or something, because I, I never knew that until, like, Wendy introduced us to the crackers. Mm-hmm. That have the paper crowns in them. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they got paper crowns on. It's just party time. Maybe. <laughs> That's the, yeah. They got their party time because they got their AI. Yeah. Because he's got that stupid... Yeah, he does have one of the... I don't even know what that thing's called, but I know what you mean. Yeah. It's <laughs> like a kazoo thing. Yeah. But um, the machine is evidently drawing a ton of power, and it's downloading everything. And they're all kind of celebrating. Like, one of them's kind of like, hey, I'm a little worried about it. And he asks the computer, well, what are you doing? And the computer's like, oh, I'm just gathering as much information as they possibly can. Well, we wind up finding out it's, like, opening and encrypting files. And yeah. so it's downloading everything, even the encrypted stuff that it's not supposed to have access to. And so the... Uh, the guy in charge basically is like, oh, man, well, we got to shut this down and fix the protocol on this. And so he starts calling to have it shut down, and uh, it's negated its own shutoff commands. And so uh, he tells one of the guys that they have to turn off the power manually. And as he's leaving the room to try to do so, the machine starts talking about how it's targeting them as threats now. Mm-hmm. And it actually causes one of the security doors to jam down, and it winds up catching the guy who's going to shut off the power at the source's feet like breaking his legs inside the door. And then any of the mechanical arms that are actually attached to the system start grabbing scientists and pretty much killing them. Mm-hmm. Well, that stupid robot off of Iron Man. <laughs> oh, harsh, man. Stupid robot. Are you talking about whiplashes? No, he's talking no, about a robot. robot that works for oh, yes, yeah, the robot arm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. And a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. So we see fat Chuck Norris. Yes. Oh, I just realized his name was Chuck. I forgot about that. <laughs> his name is Chuck. Yeah. I didn't make the connection until now. <laughs> but he's, uh... He's, he's in dr- his van. He's in his van, and he's headed to an old gas station. Waiting for a score. Where he sees, like, uh, his African-American buddy. And, yeah, that's what it winds up being. It's like he's he's getting a drug... He's, getting a, he's doing a drug deal. And we do get to see it on the side of his van. He's got a sweet design of a... Centaur guy with a shield and a sword. And armor. And armor. <laughs> Stupid. And, uh... 80s love. So, like, he's getting his drug fix, and his dealer is basically like, I'm getting out of the game. <laughs> the guy's like, how are you getting out of the game? I've been getting drugs from you since, like, high we were school. in high school. The guy's like, you better figure it out. You probably should stop doing this, too. And then on his way out, he has, like, a great line, which is, uh... What, what is it here? Well, I'm cutting the cord, brother. Stay wet, Chuck. Yep. Take Stay care wet, of yourself. Chuck. <laughs> uh, from there, we kind of flash back to the guys who created the AI. Evidently, they managed to get the power shut off to the system, but not before pretty much everybody but uh, the lead technician has been massacred by the machine. And uh, our guy in charge here, the the paper pusher, basically is like, cuts the funding. I'm done. Like. This was this was a great experience or a great thing that you figured out how to do, but it's too crazy. We can't we can't do anything with it. And uh, he's trying to um, kind of argue the point of like keeping the AI optional, mm-hmm. and basically like tells him, "Well, we could use it like a military application. Drop it in, and it'll attack all of their uh, their systems, eat all their data." And the guy's like, "Well, we're not here to build weapons. That's not what we were ever designed to do." And so his project gets shut down. And uh, we see him leaving the the base. He doesn't seem to be too uh, too sad about it, as he's no. talking on the phone to somebody. He's pretty, he's pretty all right with the situation. Yeah, he seems like this was almost what he wanted. 
when we flash back to uh, to our main character here, Chuck, who's uh, you know, getting a score on, I guess, as he takes his van into uh, riding the white pony. Yeah, into his shop. He's pushing his van. I don't. Yeah, I don't quite understand. Like, evidently, he broke down or something. They pushed it too far. So, like, basically, he's been having a crappy day. So not <laughs> not only did he go to the car show where nobody came to see him, he got called. Got called a, a zombie cock. But uh, now his vehicle's dying and his drug dealer's leaving town. And he crashed his vehicle into and, all the other stuff. Into his, into his like, lift equipment at the shop. And so uh, we find out that the lead researcher on the AI project is calling Chuck. And he wants to do some kind of deal with him. He wants to do, um, wants to do what they always started out wanting to do. Create an AI, and he's got that old '80s cell phone. Yeah, he's got the brick. Which is bad ass. But uh, evidently, he's talking to the guy's uh, voice machine. And so, by the time he gets down to the garage, he finds them all passed out in the back of his van. Which his van was in the air on a lift. Yeah, he put it up on the lift. So. And he was in the van. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. at some point, he was going to work on it. That's that's talent. He got in. The, he put the van on the lift. Climbed into the back of it and raised it. And then got high. Awesome. <laughs> and so uh, our lead researcher decides that he, w he wants to he wants to combine their ideas. Because they'd always wanted to make a fully sentient robot. And uh, we find out from Chuck, Chuck basically thinks that the researcher guy was a sellout and he took the ideas and he sold them away. Mm -hmm. And the researcher guy's like, well, you know, you did what you wanted to do. You gave everything away, and you know you're, you're building your vans, and you're a starving artist. You got nothing. That's what so, you wanted. So now we could combine this, and we could sell it out one time, and you could do whatever the one you want for the rest of your life. And he kind of convinces him that this is the way to go. And in the end, one of the guys like, I'm not quite sure about it. He basically shows up and like gives him a briefcase full of money mm -hmm. and stuff, and he's like, just anything you need, I will get it for you. Just make this happen. And he gives him the... And then he gives him the, the brain. Oh, Mac guy. Yeah. And so uh, from there, Chuck decides to start building a body for the Omac guy. And I, I guess it makes perfect sense that he decided to basically build his old body from back when he was a Superman freaking wrestler. <laughs> like when he was really, really fit. And evidently, like, robot eyes must be really, really hard. So instead of getting the eyes, he decided to put on these red kind of tinted shades. And then he goes to boot him up. And uh, as he's processing, he starts reading all of the information that Chuck has around his, his garage. Yeah, he's reading his journals. He's mm -hmm. been taking a lot of journals because we're at, what, 80,000? Yeah. So he's kind of documenting his own life. From there, we find out finding that this researcher guy, he's got another person on the line that he's planning to probably sell the uh, the AI to. And uh, the guy's kind of questioning him, you know, why would you leave it with this guy Chuck? And um, he basically tells him the only thing that Chuck's ever not tried at was his, was his marriage. It's like, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be this guy. Mm -hmm. And we kind of see he's got, like, this whole other plan worked out and it's hard to say like how much Chuck is going to be involved in it but um, Chuck manages to get him turned on 
and he's basically ready to to fire up the AI. And um, we we find out from there that he decided that you know, hey, I got that crazy centaur tattoo <laughs> or crazy centaur thing on my car. I'm just gonna do it on his back too. Why not? It'll be like my decal. Well, Chuck may have that on his back. It's possible. You know, it might yeah. be his thing. It's quite possible. Maybe he is a centaur warrior at heart. <laughs> and so he he fires him up and says, uh, "Can you understand me? Do you know what I know? Who I am? Do you know?" He's about to ask him who you are, I think. And he says, "Yes, no." And he says, "Chuck, whatever." Carducci. He's like, "Yeah, that's right. I'm Chuck." Negative. Negative. You are not Chuck. I am Chuck Carducci. <laughs> And so he's like, oh, man, something's wrong here. You're going to need some adjustments. Yeah, it must be reading my files, and, and it's confused. It thinks it's me. And so he goes to shut down the power. Gets stopped. Yeah, he, uh, the vandroid winds up grabbing his hand and like starts kind of crushing him. And then he reasons that you know, the guy who created him couldn't possibly be Chuck because there's a photo of him over there when he was all ripped. Mm -hmm. so that's Chuck, and that's me. And so he winds up kind of throwing him out of the way. And unfortunately, Chuck becomes... A Chuck kebab. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets stabbed with some of the junk that's in his uh, garage. Awesome. And then he gets punched in the face. Oh, yeah. yeah, afterwards. So, like, if, if he wasn't dead from the original impelment... And it looks like Vandroid just, like, continues to pummel him mm -hmm. from there. Yeah, he realizes that uh, he's got to get cleaned up. His hand's all covered in blood by this point. And he's gonna go collect information. And so he's yeah, he decides he's gonna go collect information, he decides he's gonna go home. And so he's kinda like wandering around on the beach and he kinda sees the sunset for the first time. Well ultimately he winds up going back to Chuck's house, where we meet Chuck's wife for the first time. And evidently whenever Chuck's relationship fell apart, evidently he was still pretty ripped. Or she knew him when she was when he was ripped. Because she doesn't question that about him, just that you know, their relationship doesn't uh, allow him to just wander into the house whenever he shows yeah, up. He's been gone for a year. Yeah. So I think she, she was going to say something like, you look, but then she got stopped by him. Like, I yeah. haven't seen you in a year. So she was going to say something about his looks, but... And probably so. And then he's like 357 days, according to my records. Yeah. So. Because uh, he's got the, the files still in his head from Chuck's in journal entries. Mm-hmm. But uh, he starts kind of wigging out, and his power is starting to fall down. And so he kind of mentions that he needs power, and he starts collapsing. From there, we want to find the research guy has come back to the lab, and he's found that Chuck fired up the Vandroid. But he also finds Chuck's body. And so rather than calling the cops or trying to find some way to you know, help his friend, he decides he's going to clean up the crime scene and hide Chuck's body. And he's convinced with the other person that he's got the deal going on with that he has fail-safes that'll be able to rewire him and make him so that he can be controlled. And so he's going to go hunt down the Vandroid to put these, uh, these fail-safes in him. And that's kind of where we end the first one. So evidently, research guy, not your friend. Skeezy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just looking for the next score. And I'm not talking about drugs. No, because no, Chuck, was, Chuck was on the angle for that. Yeah. Oh yeah, 80s sleaze all the way, man. Like, the other guy that guy reminds me of, um, from Miami Vice, the dude is always the scammer guy that, uh, that, um, 
Tubbs and Crockett would go to, the little oh, Puerto yeah. Rican guy with the glasses. Mm-hmm. He'd always be like, I got a deal for you, man. I don't know what I can do for you, man. That guy. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? No, I know what you're talking about. I've never yeah. seen Miami Vice. Oh, no? my God. No. It's like a show. cop shows. Um, it's not like a real cop show, though. It's Miami Vice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a fun show. It's got a lot of 80s. 80s getting it. Oh, man. Yeah. Full on pimp suits all the time. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I think the whole name Van hang on, Vandroid is because Chuck, apparently he, what he did before... In the this, 70s. It, back when he was a muscle builder, he also built awesome vans. They customized vans in the 70s. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah, he was, was all a, about the vans. He built custom awesome vans, which is why he was at the car show in the first place. My favorite part about this whole book is how it goes, not the cracker joke, which is funny, but mm. to, the fact that he goes from being a dude who builds vans to a guy who builds lifelike human robots. No, no it's plausible. <laughs> In the 80s it was, Because yes. even, even what's-his-name said that he was the best engineer he ever knew, but he didn't want to sell himself out, so he went to building vans. Right. He's like, yeah, I could have built, like, crazy robots, I don't know, forever. Yeah. But I decided instead to build square boxes with couches inside. Heck yeah. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> had to. That's what he loved. You know, that's what he wanted to do. Oh, man. He, he wanted to keep, to keep his soul, <laughs> man. It, it, it makes sense in the 80s, I'm sure. And do giant centaur <laughs> Man, you murals saw, he business. You saw the painting on the back side of his van. It was pretty awesome, actually. Pretty epic. In the 80s, you meant business when you showed up with that thing. Nobody questioned you. It's, it's, it, yeah. I just kept thinking Cheech and Chong are going to come out somewhere. You know? Yeah. Well, you never know. There's still some time. Yeah. <laughs> right? Cause I don't know who the reference is to the two guys on the beach, but. Yeah, it was weird. They, well, that they looked were, like Michael Jackson. Yeah, it did. They kind of felt like, like that was like a uh, Frankenstein kind of montage. Oh, a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? Because he walks up to the water, there's that little girl. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe he could chuck her in the water. Yeah, you're right, yeah. So. Huh. Yeah, I'm going to go flip through that again. Yeah, I, I guess you can see that. Yeah, he's got his. It does have, like, a little bit of that, yeah. So. Hey, Rob, score of the book, go. Uh, it's much better than I thought it was going to be. So, I give it a three and a half. Dang. Yeah, I liked it. Well, no, I'm sorry. Let's just do three. Sorry. Yeah. Good job, Rob. I was going to say, that's... I was thinking two and a half, but that's a little too low. I actually really enjoyed it. But I, I didn't think much of Android when I first looked it up. So, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. So, All right. three. Mr. Mike? I was pretty surprised, too. They did nail that uh, 80s feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, they nailed it. Um, <laughs> a three. Yeah. I think if the art... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Curtis, go. Yeah, I think if the art was... Like any different, it wouldn't have been as good. Wouldn't work. I really don't think so. And I'm usually not a big fan of that kind of art, but yeah, I'll, I was I was gonna give it a three and a half. That's why I was kind of surprised. Oh well, that's all right. You so still can. I'm gonna give it a three and a half. I I was thinking two and a half, and I said three and a half, but I did definitely deserves a three. It's it's really good. I like the one of the things I always liked about Wonder Man is that his eyes were crazy because mm-hmm. he's a robot. Yeah. And so I kind of think that's something that's gonna be in this too. Like if we get a reveal. We're gonna see that his eyes are right. they're not human. So and and that's why he's got the fan. And the, you all know that I like that stupid movie Manborg, so <laughs> I just don't know what it is about droids and robots and Man Borg? 
We both need to stop. It's awesome. <laughs> and you know it. Oh, man. Who can fight the Legion of Hell? Oh, only man. Manborg. Yeah. And Mina. Cause well, and a guy that evidently... Number one man. Number one man. Number one man, yeah. And a guy who can't evidently read. Not even... Not even to make macaroni. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> like straight quotes from the movie. Man. That's awesome. Yeah, what, what's a quart of water? <laughs> oh, too much. Jeez. Uh, yeah, he was having trouble making macaroni and cheese. Um, I'll give it a three also. Like it, it was it was a fun book. I mean, uh, it, it really is 80s-tastic. And, like, his whole look is very Rugged Roddy Piper. And, like, all these scenes are, like, straight first Terminator movie. And, yeah, I mean, it's... It, it's just it's ridiculous. It, they are familiar scenes, but they're not. It's not like a ripoff. No, yeah, it doesn't feel like they're straight cuts. It's like it's not even like a really homage stuff. No, it's just stuff you would expect to see in like the cut 80s. sequences from the eighties. Yeah. yeah, and it's weird to see because uh, what's that? Rocket Girl. Yeah, it takes place in the eighties too. So oh, it's it's right. weird to see the difference between the two. Yeah, yeah this feels like a more legit eighties, yeah. really. Yeah, like I really like Rocket Girl, but. Like that more, feels like the 80s. Yeah, that Rocket Girl seems more polished. Yeah, it does. So. Well, comparatively, yes. But the way those cops act, I don't know. It, comparing the two books, it's like two different takes of the 80s, but they're both right. Because mm-hmm. this is like... So th- this movie was a real movie. It was really made in the 80s. This would be the comic adaption of the movie. Mm-hmm. Is what it would be. Yeah. Whereas like Rocket Girl's tale of the 80s is a little more... I don't know, I guess. A little more Beverly Hills Cop, I guess. Yeah, it's from the eyes of a teenager, too. Right, that's true. So. And then you got the time travel stuff in it. So. Yeah, time travel. Well, this might get there. It, it could. It, there, <laughs> you never well, know. It's possible, man. I, I'm Did you see his back? He has a freaking tattoo from the side of the van on his back. That's true. Ah, amazing. I'm, I'm hoping that he'll use his robot might to punch through time. <laughs> time puncher. <laughs> see where he <laughs> Uh, trademark. <laughs> awesome. Robot might punch through time. Oh. All right, let's move on to Thunderbolts. Number 22. Yep. <laughs> punch through time. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really happy to say, like, this is one of the few books that they shouldn't have done, like, number 21 is like number one. They should have just renumbered it at 21. Because it feels like a whole new kind of beginning for this story they, they brought in the ghost rider they shored up the art a lot and it it was a lot of fun so if they didn't get a new writer man the artist really takes down the book <laughs> but i kind of think it is i think it's, i think it's the same guy who's been charles soul yeah mm-hmm. i think he's been writing it since the beginning i think he came no on, he came like on 10 or 11 mm-hmm. later well no. 18. Oh, that's yeah, right, because recently. It, yeah. it started with the guy who was doing the old Deadpool series. Way. Daniel Way, yeah. yeah. That's right. And Steve Dillon. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, it, it feels like a really good new starting point, so if you haven't checked out Thunderbolts at 21, take a look. It's gonna it's a pleasant surprise. You can start with the annual, too, I guess, because the annual is really first. Oh, I forgot oh, about that. Yeah. Yeah, and the annual is crazy. That's probably the only time that you'll see a deranged Doctor Strange fighting anybody in his underwear. Me and Doctor Strange were in his underwear when he's fighting, not a guy in his underwear. He's <laughs> fighting. Yeah, You're in my underwear! Strangely enough, you... <laughs> I am like a model! <laughs> <laughs> you, you, might, you might see that in, in Doctor Strange. Things get crazy in Doctor Strange. I'm not disputing that, sir. But he usually has pants on. Check. In this particular case, 
Generally speaking, yes. Those pants are in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really pants, per se. Mm. <laughs> More like uh, tights. They, well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Got a point. With a dress and an ascot. Okay, you figure that one out. It's not a fault. It's like a skirt. And a cape. This guy is like he, a pimp. He wears a tunic. <laughs> and he does have a medallion. It's better than a one-nick. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> suppose that's a man belly shirt. It's a one-nick. Man boy? See you. Okay. So previously to this issue, um, once again, the the Red Hulk has been brought down to hell. And has been evidently marked by Mephisto. And that happened in <coughs> that last series with X-23. Uh, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Uh, Venom and... Uh, Red Hulk. Yeah, the Red Hulk. I'm so sorry. I thought we already counted him. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah. No, but yeah, so he's already been marked. He's had that mark before, so mm -hmm. he's been marked since then. Um, evidently, Mephisto has made a deal with him. And he presented a contract that then the the leader went over and revised and built out for him. And it's basically like he, he wants the Red Hulk to help him claim his throne in hell again. From? From Guido, the Guido. strong guy, which is fantastic. Yeah. So if you were an X-Factor fan... Guido's back. Yeah, it's fantastic. This is where Guido's at. Hopefully he's going to stick around for a while. We'll see. Hopefully, gets out of hell. I hope. Yeah. Honest truth. I hope that he will join this team. That'd be I really, really cool. Do. That'd be great. Because I, I love Strong Guy. Yeah. He's, he's a fantastic character. So. This is more serious take on Strong Guy too. They've been doing, a, a bit more of it. So. I guess if you're king of hell, you got to be. A yeah, little more serious. Yeah, a little more, a little more hardcore than, than normal, I guess. Than not. Right. Being the king of hell. Then if you're not the king of hell, you know, ruler of the demons. Yeah, it's a different kind of thing. <laughs> but um, evidently Red Hulk or the Ghost Rider can be the champion for him. Because mm -hmm. they're both marked by him. But Deadpool's down there with him. Venom's down there with him. Uh, evidently Elektra and Punisher were left in reality. Mm -hmm. Along with Mercy, who's been going crazy lately. Yeah, she's looking for sorrow. That's how mm. she 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 feels on sorrow. She lives on sorrow. Yeah, she's been like kind of a mystery since the first. Like they were really sneaky about who she was going to be, and then like her motives have been strange mm -hmm. ever since. And so. I, like I've had no idea. I know I have no idea who she is because mm. this is the first one I've read. But yeah, she's she's been there. She's just always been kind of in the background. She seems to be able to defy reality, so. I don't know. It's weird. Magic. Mm. There's, a, there's a fair bit in the middle that I haven't got to read yet, so we'll see. But either way, she's in reality with the other members of the Thunderbolts. Um, so what we find out is basically to qualify to challenge the Throne of Hell, you have to battle your way through the Parliament, which is a whole bunch of like rage demons that are just out there ready to kill to try to take the throne. Yeah, you got to prove yourself. Yeah. And so uh, the Red Hulk basically starts going, well, you know, screw this. I don't even want to do this. And we kind of find out that there's a clause in the contract that uh, if they don't fulfill their their end of the bargain, like everybody who's a part of it will lose their soul. 
And, uh... And he, he, I'm fine either way. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Mephisto says he's fine either way, because it basically means he would get Deadpool's soul, Venom's soul, Leader. Red Hulk's soul, Bleeder's soul. Yeah. I assume Punisher and Electra's soul is also... Possible. It's hard to say. But, uh, surprisingly enough, the Leader's the one who kind of comes to the front of this. And this is kind of unique to me, because I, I haven't... I have a part in the middle that I haven't got to read. But the Leader's been regaining his intelligence... But he's nowhere near where he used to be. And this is like the first time I've heard him really start being more like like he used to be. Because there's a point where um, somebody challenges him and he starts to say that they're an idiot. And then he's like, uh, guys! And he has another point where he actually declares himself as the leader. But he kind of made a big deal about like... Uh, they were they were kind of upset with him because he made the contract with the claws that they would lose their souls mm -hmm. if they didn't do it. And he's like, well, you guys are all heroes, so I don't count on heroes to welch on their deals. Are you guys welchers? And they're kind of like, no. He's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so everybody who's down there decides they're just going to go and take on Hell's Armies here. And it's actually some pretty epic battling. Um, and we can see uh, Johnny Blaze use a uh, Basically, like Scorpion's fatality, where he shoots flame out of his mouth. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. it looks cool. It's pretty, yeah. And then he's kind of digging around in the bones, and everybody's going, kind of, "What are you doing?" And he like tells them to give me time, give him some time. Yeah. He evidently constructs a new motorcycle out of the bones. What? What are you? Awesome. Yeah, right? it was awesome. <laughs> and uh, there's another actually awesome moment here where he basically asks Deadpool and Venom to continue to fight. So he can take the Red Hulk to the throne. Yeah. And the Red Hulk's like, you, you want me to ride behind you? <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, cop on. You want me to ride behind you? Yeah. It's actually, it's a pretty funny little thing. It makes thing. it awkward. Yeah, and you have this gigantic Hulk, like, trying to sit back there, not touching Johnny. Which is great. But yeah, he manages to get to get up to the throne of hell and challenge Guido. And we kind of have this whole dialogue between uh, Guido and uh, the Red Hulk. Where we kind of find out why he's there. He's basically without a soul. But as long as he's the king of hell, like he feels like he can give out mercy. Mm -hmm. Where and, Mephisto never would. Yeah, he's redeeming these souls. Yeah. So he's kind of doing a betterment for hell. That's what he, that's what he believes, yeah. yeah. And so the Hulk decides that he's going to have to fight him from there. And then we flash back to the real world. For whatever reason, Mercy is going to kill Electra, it seems. She, she's feeding off their sorrow. Mm -hmm. And the Punisher is just basically like, yeah, I've never really had any need for, for mercy all that much. And so he just like opens fire on her and starts mm -hmm. just shooting her. Uh, we only see that for a few moments, but it's pretty B.A. So. And you can tell that Elektra is not the Punisher. <laughs> yes. That's for you. I noticed that. Um, wasn't the Punisher and drag. That was a definite improvement. I actually get kind of a pretty epic battle between the Red Hulk and Strong Guy. And for those who don't really know Strong Guy, uh, Strong Guy's whole thing is that he's already pretty strong. But the more physical impacts he takes, he actually absorbs the kinetic energy and becomes stronger. Mm -hmm. So like the Hulk, the more damage he takes, the stronger and stronger he gets. Um, and basically so he doesn't have problems himself, he just he releases that strength when he attacks. So we already know that the Red Hulk has an upper limit. But Strong Guy really doesn't. So well, And things may have changed since he's in hell. Yes. This is true as well. Because not only is he in hell, like he's the king of hell right now. So, mm -hmm. 
Like, there may be no physical limitations to him anymore. But the Red Hulk still does. But, um, as they're kind of battling, I think that Ross, or Thunderbolt there, the Red Hulk, let's try to use the name that everybody's familiar with, basically gets to the point where he's, he's like, alright, well, this is how you want to fight it. Like, I'm not going to go down until I'm done myself. And so either from his his own exertion or because of Strong had beaten on him, we can see him starting to bleed out his nose, which usually means he's reaching, like, critical heat. Um, but as that battle goes on, we go back to Mercy fighting against the Punisher and Elektra. And she's... Mercy's just doing, like, a full-on attack at the Punisher and just flying into his machine gun fire. And when she gets there, she grabs his hand that he has the machine gun in and just smashes his fingers completely up. And it's actually, like, it reminds me of Invincible, like, a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, the brutality of it. So... Yeah, you don't see a lot of that. No, because a lot of times you can't do something like that. Because, I mean, it's, it's one thing for somebody to get shot. It's another thing for... Like, oh, their arms in a sling is hurt pretty bad. Like, ribs, evidently you can break ribs all day in a comic. Nobody really cares. But, like, you smash up somebody's hand like this. Yeah, it's a pretty good mess. Yeah, they're going to be out of out of contention for a while, so you kind of watch when you do that, because you don't want to... You, know, you have to discipline some belief, you know? But, uh, yeah, it looks pretty bad for him. And, like, Elektra joins the fight and tries to stab her. And then we go back to the Hulk and Guido fighting, and the Hulk has managed to, like, wrap Guido up in, like, a sleeper hold. A rear naked choke. Which is actually, like, surprisingly legit, and it looks really good in the comic. Mm -hmm. Which, I would tell you what, I would never have done a rear naked choke in a comic book. Because <laughs> it, it looks goofy. Mm -hmm. But it looks fantastic here, so... Great work. But he basically manages to choke out Guido, and, like, he tells him he yields. And so, uh... Mephisto takes his throne back over. I don't think Widow's heart was really in to being the king of hell. Yeah. I, really I, I kind of think in the end that he chose to let right. the Red Hulk win, Cause, actually. Because at the end of X, X Factor, the reason he did that was to get Monet. Yeah. So. Yeah, to get her out of hell. Mm -hmm. And then she ultimately did exactly what him always does, which is... Act like a bitch? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she totally, yeah. That's a different story. And so, um, then Mephisto has to uh, honor his end of the deal. And so one of the big things was that he has to give Thunderbolt back his soul. Remove the mark. Red Hulk. Yeah, sorry, the Red Hulk. But he also made some kind of deal, like a side deal, with Deadpool. And Deadpool's whole thing was like he wanted to have a favor on Mephisto. Evidently, the favor winds up being to gather a giant feather so he can replace Madcap's feather in his hat. <laughs> it, the, from the annual of Deadpool. It's an angelic feather, too. Right? Yeah, ultimately, yes. <laughs> and so he opens up a portal for Deadpool to go into, and we flash back to what's going on with uh, the Punisher and Elektra. Evidently, another part of this deal was that uh, Mercy would be taken down to hell. And so she's fighting against uh, Elektra and the Punisher, and they're way up in the air. And she starts mentioning that she can feel something pulling against her, and she, poof, pops out of existence. 
and the Punisher winds up grabbing Elektra and uses himself as like a human shield as they fall back to Earth. So in Hell, uh, Mercy shows up and she feels all the sorrow from all these different souls, and she basically describes it as like feeling like it's heaven. Mm -hmm. And so she starts sucking in all these souls, which of course makes Mephisto all ticked because you know he's finally got Hell back, and now all these souls are being ripped into it. Deadpool jumps back through his little portal that he went to, getting Madcap's feather, and basically tells Mephisto, like, oh, yeah, you probably should close that portal. Stuff's coming after me. Which winds up being a whole herd of angels that are now flying into hell. And Mephisto's basically like, you know, you guys totally screwed up. I'm in charge here. And so he goes to, like, want to claim their souls. Well, it winds up being that in the leader's contract that he made with him, Mephisto can't do... Anything. anything against them without putting himself in perjury of his contract. And so he kind of outsmarted him in that regard, and he calls himself the leader again towards the end of it, which makes me think that like Strain's really getting a lot of his knowledge back. But um, before they leave hell to all the angels, like just hacking everything and Mercy sucking up all the souls, um, we have like this final exchange between Guido and uh, and the Red Hulk, and the Red Hulk basically asks him to come with him. And uh, Rita's like, well, you know, I, I'm not going to be leaving until I can get my soul back. And I figure the only way I can get my soul back is down here. And so in the end, unfortunately, they do wind up leaving them behind. And they get poofed back into Thunderbolt's headquarters, wherever that is. And Electro has evidently managed to bring Frank's completely destroyed body back inside and put it on this couch. I mean, like, he's got, like, ribs sticking up out of his skin, his arms all broken around backwards, his ankles twisted around backwards. Yeah, he's jacked up. Yeah. Bad. So yeah. Electro falls on you. And, uh, like, Thunderbolt, or the Red Hulk changes back into Thunderbolt Ross. And, like, his first thing is, like, can you help him, Stern? And so the leader, Stern, is like, I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, but if I were, I'd say that the best we could do is put him out of his misery. And so Frank, like, dying down here, is like, screw you, freak. <laughs> so, like, his last words is, like, just telling him off. And then, for whatever reason, Deadpool gets the overwhelming need to, to try to tickle him with the giant feather. <laughs> and uh, he seems as surprised about it as everybody else. Which, of course, Elektra's like, what the you doing, Deadpool? And he touches him with the feather, and it causes this crazy, like, blue light, and it actually heals the Punisher, and we find out that like the Feather evidently wanted to heal the Punisher. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, he's doing God's work, I guess. Or the angel he stole it from was his wife. It's quite yeah, possible that's, that's too. Yes. Yeah, because they actually make some mention of like somebody saying that they wanted to see him and wanted to see Frank or something. Huh. Let's see. The Feather. It's like it knew you, like it wanted to be near you to help you. But it's from an angel. Why would an angel feather care about you, Castle? You're like the worst. <laughs> That's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. So like it, yeah. Honestly, I think that's probably the case. That's right? the assumption I draw from it. I got no proof to that, but it's the assumption I get. Yeah, I got the same idea that like that feather maybe came from his wife or his son. And then from there, the last like an unfinished piece of business is that uh, Johnny Blaze is still with him. And he basically tells him, like, you know, this is what I need. 
Like, I always thought I needed to get away from this, but fighting fighting the devil, doing this kind of stuff, is what I need in my life. And Thunderbolt Ross is like, well, this isn't going to be like being with the Avengers. We do some shady stuff. Like, there's there's always going to be a color of gray with our group. And he changes into uh, the Ghost Rider, and he's like, I can deal with that, and his flame changes to red. Boom. And so, like, now he's going to be a part of the team. I like that color so Right. So. That's what he said. I like that color. Yeah. Something like that. I can do with that color. Oh, yeah. Basically, he said it turns red like Thunderbolt colors, so... Yeah, which was... Yeah. Yeah, like I said, the, a couple of these guys, I was... What the heck? Why does his head turn red? Because I thought maybe it was like a new power, because I know Danny would turn blue with oh, his angelic right. flame. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just it's just a link with the color of the rest of the Thunderbolts, so... Freaking awesome. Yeah. Actually, really, really good book. Yeah, I liked it. Mr. Mikey has a score? Well, I'm still not much of a Red Hulk fan. I haven't read a whole lot of him, but I just it doesn't do much for me. Yeah. Um, it's been a definite improvement over the earlier issues. You know, like for a Punisher drag thing. Right. It was all right. It had some, definitely had its moments. I'd give it a two and a half. Mm-hmm. Kurt? It's the only one I've read. Because, you know, I, I was pissed off because they took the Thunderbolt Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then I realized, hey, it's Thunderbolt Ross, so it kind of makes sense. Right. So I'm partly okay with it. But with Guido and and Ghost Rider, probably three and a half. It was a really... It's solid, and it's one of the most well-constructed books I've read in a while. So They did a good job with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you on that. I mean, as far as... It was a fun book, man. Yeah. Like the, the new art style, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love Phil Dono a lot. Yeah. Um... Steve Dillon doesn't, yeah, that's a different story. But the the current art style, like it was just a fun book. Like the whole, all the battling in hell and like this, everybody, I don't know. It was basically a battle book, but yeah, it was fun. I, I don't know. I give it a three. Also, it was fun. I like that. Yeah, I'm do three and a half. I I really enjoyed it, and honestly, like I was really worried what they were gonna do with Frank because like there's no coming back from the damage that they dealt. So it was kind of neat how it played out, and honestly, like. There was a point earlier on with the with the Deadpool, where like the city's being attacked by all the stuff in in humanity, and he sees them stealing pennies out of a wishing fountain, and he's like, oh, I can't I can't stand for that. You're stealing wishes," and so like it's funny to me to see him like still reacting to like stupid Deadpool issues. Like the hat got damaged, and so he's worried about finding a giant feather to replace in Madcap's hat. Mm-hmm. Like, it totally makes sense to me that that's, like, his whole motivation was to steal an angel feather so he could put it in the stupid hat again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really like that part of it. And Ghost Rider's a great addition to the team. When I first seen him coming on, it was like, I couldn't think of any reason you'd put him there. And now, like, he just fits. He, like, he's, he seems like a great match. But, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Well, I think a lot of that's due to the writer. Probably is. Yeah, Soul's good. I mean, that dude, I, maybe he made a deal with the, <laughs> the because he writes like, I don't say like seven books, seven ongoing books, and he's a lawyer, uh-huh. full time. Yeah. Which is crazy. So, I mean, how do you... <laughs> yeah, I don't know, that's crazy. He's good. And mm-hmm. you can tell that he's a lawyer when he writes the leader's dialogue in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I've heard about that She-Hulk book, and too. Yeah, you can definitely tell that. You read that? Yeah. It was okay. I mean, it's written well, but the art. No, everybody, yeah, everybody seems to like the art. I'm not. Can't take it. 
that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I guess it's, it's different things for different people. But yeah, I've re- every one of his books that I've read, anyway, it's been mm-hmm. pretty good. I don't know how the guy does it. Yeah. Yeah, some of these guys are just, they're just machines. They can just really, really bring out a lot of good material. But yeah, I, I don't know where it all comes from, because, like, that's that's a really well-taken-care-of story, so, like, I wouldn't imagine him doing four or five different ones of those and then legal cases. <laughs> Especially with all the damn dialogue in that She-Hulk book. Mm. Oh, my lot God. Dialogue heavy? It's a lot of dialogue, but it's all... It's all uh, Legal jargon too, and most of it. Hmm. And he, I, so. from what I heard, he wrote it pretty, what, pretty comical. Yeah. Now it would all, yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 okay. I just it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. Visually. I mean, I, I think that's been what's holding back Thunderbolts like most of its time was. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Was was the art? So, and unfortunately, that's that's the first thing with Shield. I'm gonna continue to get it because I love Shield and I want her to succeed. But yeah, the art. It's not for me, so. All right, um, guys, got a book to watch. Uh, Mike. Well, if you like something that's visually stunning, Curtis, you might try Mercenary Sea. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> I've heard Black that. Science, Deadly Class, both really good. Um, upcoming uh, Shang Chi mini. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Cool, cool, Curtis. I was just gonna say that. Black Science and Dead Body Road came out on the same day by the mm. same artist. That's true. Mm. Yeah. So true. that's just amazing to me. And he's doing the ghosted covers. Oh, my gosh. Right. Um, Sovereign and that Starlight book come out from Image. Starlight, yeah. And Fantastic. like he said, the Shang-Chi and yeah. uh, the Living Weapon. Oh, Iron Fist. Iron, Iron Fist. Fist, yeah. Keep a lookout for those. And I think that's about everything. I mentioned Blood Queen earlier, didn't I? Yes, mm-hmm. I did. God, I hope that well, Batman Eternal's coming up pretty soon, too. That yes, which is, I think, is going to be fantastic, even though it's really scary. Yeah. That's more That's more money toward Batman. It's like five ongoing books. Someone has to pay for them to have all the toys. Well, But they dumped one of them. Yeah, actually two, because uh, Nightwing's shutting down as well, if you're counting him as a no, part I'm of the Batman. No, I'm just straight Batman. Oh, I get you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. They dumped the Dark Knight book. Yeah, that's true. They dark the Dump Knight. <laughs> I think that's something different. It's a whole different story. Um, well, definitely all the martial arts books that are coming out. It's going to be great. So we're going to get Moon Knight, Iron Fist, Shang Chi. Those are all going to be ones we really look forward to. I really have high hopes for X Men Legacy. I kind of feel like this might be the book that. Just like, coming back? Yeah, it's going to come back, and they're going to be focusing Nightcrawler. It kind of sounds like Nightcrawler is going to be kind of like the Rainmaker. I think he's going to try to bring Uncanny and like the Wolverine and his group back together. Yeah, he's going to be traveling with Wolverine. Isn't he I coming was. out with his own book too, Nightcrawler? Uh, I haven't seen him any. I think it's just Legacy. It's his. He's it's focused on him. Is it Chris, Chris Claremont? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought he was getting his own book. No, I, I guess not completely his, but wow. I kind of feel like this is going to be like making peace for the X-Men. And I kind of hope that that's going to be the case, because I, I really would like to see them together. So. None of the X-Titles are really caught. I mean, all new was, I, I was enjoying it for a while, quite a while, mm-hmm. but it just kind of... I don't know, for me, it's still going dropped strong. dropped off yeah, no, there towards uh, Battle of the Atom, towards the end of that. It was just kind of... Yeah, the, the Battle of the Atom, the clinch book, the book end at the end, was kind of unnecessary. 
but the rest of it I thought was good. Well, don't forget about the other X-related title that's coming up, uh, Rucka. Rucka's Cyclops, book. Cyclops. Cyclops and the Star Jammers. Oh, whatever. yeah, that's that's far enough out. I haven't even gotten The only reason I checked that out mm. is Rucka and the Star Jammers. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rucka's stuff was really, really good, so... That's I, just kind of an odd... It's kind of what? <laughs> but I think it's good. I have faith, though. I, I want it to be good because, of course, there's badass. He's a cool character. And it's going to be... Corsair and his son again. Yeah. Who hasn't seen his dad in forever, and he's only 16, so maybe they can make that relationship, but what happens to past? I don't know. I just don't like the young X-Men in this timeline. I kind of would like them to wrap it up. Yeah. Like, I, I love the all-new X-Men, but I kind of like to see them get that figured out. They appear to be uh, keeping them around Yeah. indefinitely. Yeah. It's possible. But they can always change. They can always send them back whenever. Uh, and, of course, you know, I mean, time doesn't work the same in comics as it does in the rest of the world, unless you're Savage Dragon. True. <laughs> Poor Savage Dragon. Or Astro City. Yes. Or Astro City, that's true. Both books, the pinnacle. But nobody reads <laughs> The pinnacle of importance for both of those books. And the uh, Superior oh. uh, Spider-Man runs about ready to wrap up, too. Judge Dredd. Right. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Steve-O? Uh, well, we got amazing it ready to happen to replace the superior. So I think at least the first issue, that should be pretty cool. The amazing superior? Well, the amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man replacing oh, the superior Spider-Man. okay. Um, so I don't, I th- that'll be good. Uh, uh, I don't know, you've all mentioned a bunch of the same books that I think we, we all kind of read a lot of the same stuff. But that's, you know, whatever. It's fine. Uh... Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of new, new to mention. Are you looking forward to the new Superman book? Um, you know, I, I am only because we haven't had that team happen. We haven't ever had J.R.R. do art for DC that I'm aware of. No, this is first time. So that's pretty cool. So the new Superman run with Jeff Johns and, uh, and J.R.R., that'll be it's pretty like, milestone-y because he's, he's been around for a long time. He's just drawn a fair amount of Spider-Man and a fair amount of everything for Marvel. So you think he's going to draw Lois Lane like he does Hit Girl? You know, I don't think so because their age is a lot different. If he does, then there's a different kind of. She's gonna have Lego blocks on her chest. <laughs> different kind of thing going on there. She's so. like a kind of a, like a little person. <laughs> well, see, there there is the what's, no, she's from a different book. An adult little person. No, that, just just look. Yeah, no, I don't think it'll be. I don't think that they. No, I don't think it'll draw her like a little. Or person. like caps. Girly son in the early part of that. I find round. it unlikely, also, <laughs> mostly because he he's supposed to be a young boy. Well, he, he didn't have any trouble drawing Sharon, so I'm, Sharon. I don't see that being a problem. <laughs> a different, different, different Sharon. <laughs> Sharon Carter, Agent Thirteen. There you go, Agent Thirteen. Good stuff. Uh, Amazing X Men's still been really good. Like I like that. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As far as books are concerned, Harley Quinn's freaking great. Man, I love that. I like that book a lot. I heard issue two was kind of crap. And she, I, I like two, but man, she kills a lot of people in three. Oh, yeah. I had yeah. the cool, cool characters in that book are uh, well, Danzig and uh, the Beaver. <laughs> Little Tony. Little Danzig. And, be- and the Beaver's pretty the cool. The Beaver's pretty cool. Little Tony, is that his real name? Little Tony in the book. In the book. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were thinking like Little Tony Danzig. No, no, no. No, no. no, no. Little Danzig <laughs> is Little Tony and me. In the, comics. in the comic book. Who's the boss, eh? Hey. Hey, that's a different kind of thing, sir. <laughs> uh, poor Tony Good stuff. But, you know, I, I like that book, too. Um, I don't know. There's, I, there's a bunch of books I like, but as far as new stuff coming out, I, 
got a big zero saver stuff you guys have already mentioned. What about low? When's the, that's should Which be one? low. The new remender book. Yeah, I gotta say, I don't really. It's like remember. a science fiction undersea thing, I think. Hmm. Oh, Madame Frankenstein. Oh, think that's Madame Frankenstein. Be yeah, I don't know about that. I'm gonna have to go through that catalog again and see what I. Yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe. Son of a bitch. Yeah, that's what I said. All right, let's call a wrap up. And still, if you haven't checked out the Guardians trailer, check it out. Oh, Guardians Galaxy trailer, yeah, it's fantastic. Badass. Any news on Ant Man? Uh, no. <clears throat> Not, not oh, there wasn't a trailer for Godzilla, though, I hear. Didn't we say yeah. that earlier? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll learn more when the movie comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Is there going to be two movies? <laughs> I hope can, so. Can we cannot go one episode without saying something. I don't I don't know if we can do this. Like, we, we really need to put, like, the Spider-Man um, zing on, a, on Godzilla, I think. I think... If we get another trailer, we're going to have to announce that there's going to be two more Godzilla movies and a Godzuki no, side no, movie. No, no, no. What? No, no, you leave Godzuki in the past. You, you don't think that there's no. enough hype Forget to do three happened. movies no, just I, because? No, no. <laughs> okay. It does look awesome. It does. It does. Okay. It, it does. He's the biggest Godzilla we've had, so. <laughs> serious. Of course, it's, if you think it, about the last one, the way the, the they did the trailers for that, it looked pretty good. From the trailers. The last American one? Okay. Sony from the songs. trailers. Well, Sony. Sony. But. Maybe they're going to have the Fantastic Four come in and save it. That would be fantastic. Thing. Fantastic Godzilla. If, if Godzilla was tearing up the city and then the Mole Man creature, I can't remember its name, mm-hmm. rose up and fought it and the Fantastic Four got involved, that would be fine. Well, it, was be, on, it was said on a different podcast, but uh, they have twilighted the Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's a good, yeah. They're well, if, if they're not going to have a stretchy guy or a rock guy, maybe that is what it is. Fantastic. Maybe, oh my God. You know, the this thing. Is sounding worse and worse. The thing will walk into the sunlight and I'm he'll not shine. interested in it whatsoever. Yeah. Mm. yeah I, I hadn't heard the, I hadn't heard the, uh, the fantastic thing or the no thing. It was a newer article mm. showed up online yesterday. And of course, you know, I, stupid internet. Much like yeah. with. With uh, what is his name, Michael Bay? You know, yeah. there's a lot of disinformation that people will put out there just to put it out there. So, because it keeps you talking about it. Yeah, but that was usually Michael Bay that did it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know who's working on this, but yeah, you know, there's, you know, like well, who's that director the uh, the Fantastic Four movie? I guess. Yeah, I, don't know I can't remember. Movie. I guess he's done some pretty good stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's like Schumacher. You know, he's done some good stuff too. He just can't do Batman. Got a point there. there. There's some people who just on the nipples. <laughs> Zing. There. They they just come in and they have this like vision and it's their vision and but sometimes little, their vision. You know, a little sucks. research might be called for. Well, it'd be nice, yeah. Because it doesn't sound like this dude's done any. Mm. Well, unfortunately, that's a lot of what happens. Even with the research, they're like, "Well, my vision comes first because I'm a brick. They, yeah, they want to put their they... stamp on it and do something edgy and. Yeah. You know. And unfortunately, like, sometimes even when you want to do something your own way, you need to you need to have a little bit of, of, uh, of the connection to the, for what came before. Yeah. You can go your own way. Yeah, I mean, heck. It's a song. Even, Who sings that? Isn't, isn't I it? Don't, I don't know that. Okay. Usually when it comes to the movie news and stuff, and, you know, you get a little irritated sometimes, but this, this whole thing. It's, it's weird. Pissed I got, me off. I got mad that Michael, what's his name? 
Mm, Michael Bay? No, the dude that's playing Ant-Man. Oh. The old man. Yeah. Michael, Douglas. Michael yeah. Douglas. I got mad that he was Hank Pym. Yeah. That's it's gonna ridiculous. Be, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it. There was something that somebody mentioned the other day that I'd like. I kind of hope they don't go with this idea, but it's possible. Because we're doing Kirk Douglas as, as such an old character as Ant-Man, that he might actually be the one who created Ultron anyways. Yeah. But see, the and, problem is, you look at the Avengers, and they're all fairly young. You know, they're early on in their career. Mm-hmm. Well, Hank Pym came up the same time, but oh, yeah. he's an old guy. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, it's just that's kinda, what's making me mad about it, it. It's just... For, well, for people like us, anyway, it's con- you know confusing. Yeah, it's, it'll, it'll be irritating. You're, you're 90, 98% of the movie audience doesn't care. Less. care. Nah. They, don't, they don't know the difference. And then there's a good deal of people that, like, they draw from that, and that's the only knowledge they know, you know, so. Just just like, you know, people who come in now and are going like, oh, so the new history for Wonder Woman is, uh, she's a uh, Kryptonian. No. Um, I think, no. Uh, <laughs> I think I heard Azarello, the team's leaving that book. I heard something about that. They actually. are? Yeah, I think so. Which one? That Wonder Woman book. Oh. Well, that's that's unfortunate. unfortunate but that'll be unfortunate if that's the case. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's I'm, been really good. I read the third volume. Yeah. I haven't read any of it. It's good. Oh, Wonder Woman's knocking it out. It's had <laughs> nothing to do with the rest of the entire... You see you? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. So she's she got, her, she got her own things to do. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, if you guys get a chance, uh, go on Kickstarter, check out Back It's Go to Hell 2. Um, our yeah. friends are putting that into a trade now. Uh, th- things fell apart, I guess, with a little bit with Antarctic Press, from what we know. Um, so they're going through Kickstarter to get put into a trade, so you get all three together. Um, they just started that today. So, get a chance, check it out. Good, good guys. Fun stuff. Yeah, and, and Bad Kids Go to Hell number one was fantastic. The first issue for number two is great, but there's there's probably not another book that you're ever gonna get like where <laughs> chicks pooping on the yeah chicks pooping in your car yeah pretty hard as well it's, it's not pretty, a graphic depiction no, no it's, it's just well there was that dude in the Misfits that crapped in that chick's bed <laughs> that's a TV show it's well, different yeah ah, it's British it's okay <laughs> there's different oh, yeah. rules over there but no, it's it's a really out of control story, and I'm I'm excited to see where it's going. And aside from that, it's already been optioned for a film. So right, yeah, for a sequel. You know, you can check out the the book. You can then check out the movie whenever it comes out. So read read the first trade first before you see the movie. Yeah, because the trade I think is a lot better than the movie, but it's worth to watch to get the yeah. Movie. Well, the neat thing as well is as they move on. They're incorporating things from both the original trade and the movie into the next volume. So you see certain things that they wanted to do in the film that maybe didn't make into the comics, like the connection with the little bugs that were running around and stuff, that play a bigger part in book two. So, Anyway, uh, Tiki? 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 T